Tonight, we have a very special guest, the man who started the walkaway movement. Is that how you call it? Walkaway movement? Yeah. Walkaway movement, walkaway campaign. Actually, just introduce yourself. Just while you're Hi. Hello, uh, Tim Pool fans and audience members. My name is Brandon Strzok, and I created the walkaway campaign. I used to bristle when people said walkaway movement because uh, when I started walkaway, it was walk- well, it is walkaway campaign, but then a bunch of copycat groups instantly came out and they were calling themselves walkway movement walkway and so people didn't know which groups to join yeah and i was like it's not the walkway movement but now i feel like we're pretty established so right on yeah so you know normally i like to i like to just start right away with you know some big news story but we're sitting here and you just the first thing it says is like you have to walk away yeah and so i was like okay I'm that, not leaving. That, <laughs> I'm not leaving until you walk oh, away. Gosh. <laughs> so uh, this is what we're going to be talking about. And I think, I think you know, somebody, somebody in the chat said something funny like, let the hate for the Democratic Party flow tonight or something. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm now fairly, they're in the spirit. I'm fairly that's confident right. that's going to be happening uh, quite to, to, a, to a great degree. I mean, we do that all the time. T- typically, you know, my, my, my issue with Republicans is that there's the, the establishment is being crushed. You know, tr- Trump absolutely just crushed him and shoved him out. Yep. And there's still many of them in there. I don't like the Republicans either. So, but the Democratic Party has just gone absolutely insane. Yes. So there will be this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into it. So before we get started, make sure all of you smash the like button. So uh, it really does help. And you can subscribe at the notification bell and get in your super chats because we will be taking super chat questions for everybody. And I think we're going to have a pretty interesting conversation about walking away from the Democratic Party, from the left. What is conservatism? We've got some stories about uh, about what is liberalism? Oh, uh, that's a great question. I know that, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I think you've tweeted about walking away from liberalism or something yeah. to that effect. Well, I mean, it's, I know we're going to get into this later. I just I know that you still refer to yourself as a liberal. Yeah. And I really want to get into that with you. A real liberal, <laughs> you know. Yeah. What is it? What is it? <laughs> so so uh, um so we will. So I guess we're just going to we're just going to we'll just dive into the conversation. Cool. No, normally I do like to just kind of draw the beginning out with like explanations and stuff because I want to make sure enough people get have a chance to actually get in. Yeah. You know, some people are getting notifications right sure. now. So how about we just start with this? Why don't you uh, just for those that might not be familiar as we start, just explain how how walk away started. What is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I can do kind of an elevator pitch version of that. So obviously I was myself a lifelong liberal, um, a Democrat voter through 2016. Um, and I think I started voting in 20 well, in 2000, I believe. Uh, yeah, I w- yeah. And so I always voted Democrat and I did it pretty thoughtlessly too. I mean, even if I didn't know who what, you know, the candidate was or whatever, just I would go in and check anything with a D next to it, basically. And um, for me, the I think the, the greatest um, reason why I was drawn to do that is because I'm gay and because the messaging and the marketing, I think of the Democrats and the liberal media and the whole, you know, leftist machine very effectively is that you know, Republicans are the party of greedy, self-interested, straight white people. And Democrats are the only people who care about marginalized com- communities in this country, like black people, brown people, LGBT people, etc. And so I sort of thoughtlessly considered myself a liberal um, and and thoughtlessly was voting Democrat. And then in 2016, I was very excited to vote for Hillary Clinton, which I did. And I was terrified. Well, OK, I was... Uh, you know, it was a big joke, basically, that Trump was running for office until it became clear that he was going to win the primary and actually become the candidate. And then it's like it changed overnight from it being really funny to suddenly <laughs> Hitler is running for yeah, office, yeah. like overnight. 
that Ann Coulter clip from Bill Maher. Yes. When yeah. everyone's laughing at her when right. she says Trump. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah, that is, that's such a, a crowning moment for her, I feel like, to be like the only person who was right at that moment. To get I, laughed at. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But um, so I bought into all of it. I mean, even when they changed the narrative very quickly, which I think that they did. Um, <clears throat> I know it sounds a little bit conspiratorial, but I mean, I do believe that the that the media kind of bands together to you know create the 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 narratives and the manipulation and you know whatever it is that, that, that you know what what they're going to be pushing in terms of you know the the narrative of the story and so suddenly it became trump's a racist trump's a bigot trump's a homophobe trump's a monster and so are his uh followers and so we have to eliminate this guy that's what i think they were going with so when he got elected president i was shocked and confused and outraged but more than anything i was scared I was terrified because I really did believe that, you know, as a gay man, I really watched our culture change during the Obama years. But, you know, when Obama went and I'm not saying that's because of Obama, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying when Obama started, uh, there was still a lot of blatant homophobia that was happening and a lot of resistance to, you know, marriage equality, things like that. Right. But by the time he left, um, if you were to believe the, the media, uh, basically, we had kind of overcome those things, everything had changed, which actually I do think that we have. But when Trump became popular again, what they were saying was, no, this is a backlash to all the progress that we made under Obama. And now Trump wants to reverse your rights as a gay person. He wants to send black people back to Africa. Pence wants to throw us all into concentration camps in Pennsylvania and shock us all straight. And. I did hear all those things to be like, uh, no, I, yeah, <laughs> some form of that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's absurd. And obviously, I'm, you know, not coming across as a great genius here. But like, I, I bought into the vast majority of all of it. I was like, you know, and so I was scared. And I wanted to, um, part of me wanted to punish his base for voting for him. Uh, but the other part of me wanted to just stop being so scared and angry and confused and, and, and outraged and all these things. So I kind of went on this journey of research. God, this is a terrible elevator pitch. I'm like, is the show even, are the <laughs> two good. hours up? Are we <laughs> done? No, you're good. Good night, you're good. everybody. You're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so um, I kind of went on this journey uh, to try to understand two things. How, how did the media get it so wrong? Because the media that I trusted told me he had like a 3% chance of winning or less. And why would anybody vote for somebody who's so terrible? Like, you know, yes, Republicans yeah. are obviously the worst people in the world, but I didn't think they were that bad, you know? Right, right, right. And uh, so I started kind of researching it. And in January of 2017, right around the time he was about to take office, I posted something on social media that ended up changing my life forever. And I didn't know that it was going to. But again, I, you know, I wanted to punish people who voted for him. And so I was constantly putting out these really nasty posts and, you know, talk, you guys are such idiots and thanks for ruining the world and, you know, whatever. But in January, I posted that I would never be able to understand how anyone could vote for a man who was capable of standing before a cheering crowd and mocking a reporter's disability, right? Like what happened to the to the decency and the soul and just the humanity of middle America? Like what is wrong with you guys? And f And somebody finally answered me because I was putting all these nasty posts out, but every, like no one would respond. You right, know, right, right. I was like, answer me. Why did you vote for him? Tell me, you know, and like no one would. So finally, uh, um, privately on Facebook, this woman named Diane. Hi, Diane Beck, uh, my babysitter. Oh, I didn't even look at the camera. Hi, Diane. <laughs> um, she she reached out to me privately and she just said, look, I'm not trying to start anything with you. Like I'm not because we'd had a lot of fights. She's a staunch Christian conservative. 
your eyes are just really fixed I on just that. Because right? you, <laughs> Brandon, Brandon's a slammer on the table. <laughs> the I UFO a, keeps falling. <laughs> I'll try to. I'll, I'll just. I'll <laughs> no, that's not better. <laughs> uh, she reached out to me privately and she said, um, "I'm not trying to start a fight with you. I'm just asking, have you seen this?" And she sent me a link to a YouTube video entitled "Debunking that Trump mocked the disabled reporter." Have you seen it? I did. Okay. Because of you, actually. Yeah, really? we were talking about yeah. this last night. Wow. Mm-hmm. I pride myself on somebody who tries to avoid falling for the narrative traps and all that. Yeah. But it was actually a video you posted. Where I was like, wait, he wasn't mocking the reporter? No, he wasn't. I, th- I, I thought he was. No. For a, and, and I'm somebody who is always like, I, I will talk with Trump supporters. I don't, say, I don't think they're all that bad. I don't think Trump's all that bad. But that was something I thought was true until I saw your video. Yeah. You know, it's, when you just said that right now, I, even again, I got chills. Because I, for me, it's not just a moment. It's the moment that changed my life. It completely changed my life. And so, okay, so yeah, what's the gist of the video? So uh, it's a it's a compilation video showing Donald Trump in certain circumstances, even before he was running for president, you know, when he was like on Larry King uh, early 2000s or something. But it's a it's a compilation of six, seven, eight times when he did that exact same voice and gesture as he did at that rally, which is basically like, oh, uh," yeah, and he goes oh, with his arm Then he's flailing. Yeah, he's flailing. And but in every single circumstance, he's imitating somebody who's flailing because they were caught in a lie right. or doing something shady or doing something dishonest. But on that day, he happened to be doing it, imitating somebody who really did have a disability. But re- the media knew I mean, they covered every rally that he did. And he's done this numerous times at his rallies. And to, I, I think he was imitating Ted Cruz at one point. I think he was imitating uh, several different people, the exact same voice and gesture. Yep. But what they did was they freeze framed when his arm was like this and they threw it up on the television screen with a banner that said Trump mocks disabled reporter. Yep. And I thought it was one of the most shocking, shocking, sickening things I'd ever seen in my entire life. And for me, it should have ended there. Why would anyone be willing to vote for somebody who would who would make fun of a disabled person in front of thousands of cheering people? And um but I watched this video and I had to watch it three times because I had this like uh, disconnect kind of between my brain and my heart because my brain was going, oh, my God, I don't think he mocked that reporter's disability. Yeah. And my heart was going, yeah, but we hate him. <laughs> but we hate him. Like, and I don't want to see something that makes it harder for me to hate him. Mm. And so I watched it three times in a row and I couldn't make sense of it. And yeah. I, so I went to bed and I, I just kind of told myself, OK, you can watch it again later. Don't you don't have to make sense of it right now. It kept me up almost all night and I woke up the next day and I opened my computer and I watched it again first thing and it was like crystal clear. He didn't mock a reporter's disability, but this presented an even bigger conundrum for me because if he didn't mock a reporter's disability, why did CNN tell me that he did? And what else <laughs> didn't he do? What, what other things the media claimed? <laughs> oh, 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 right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a, like a quiz. Um, oh, no, no. He didn't oh, call I mean, all Mexicans sure. rapists. He didn't uh, create Very a Muslim people. ban. Yes, oh, oh my gosh. Char- Well, but Charlottesville hadn't happened yet. Right, right, right. Charlottesville was the first incident that I ha- saw happen in real time after I walked away. It, well, so, so that's what started this like disconnect for me that, oh, my God, there's something wrong here. And so I started kind of researching how often does this happen? Like, what, what other things have they lied about? <laughs> Every day. Yeah. Everything. And, and I found I, – I talk about this one a lot because I found this really interesting footage of it, – it, it wasn't any, like, uh, you know, social media influencers or famous people or anything. But it was a group of black people who had gone to a Trump rally to support him. And when they got there, they situated themselves in the seats – 
and then CNN moved the camera <laughs> <laughs> so that they wouldn't be in yeah, the shot. Uh-huh. And they said they were outside of the after the the rally was over. They went. They were being interviewed by people, and they were like, CNN just completely moved the camera when we sat wow. down in front of them because God forbid people would see black people supporting Trump. Wow. That shatters the white supremacist narrative, right? I, there's a meme right now, mm-hmm. and it says. If they're claiming this man is a Nazi and this woman is a white supremacist, they're trying, they're they're brainwashing you, and it's Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's it, I, I I mean look, yeah. So I remember I watched you 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 put out the video. I don't remember exactly exactly when where you mentioned your your walk away moment, and it was that clip, and it showed Donald Trump doing the you know thing, and then I I thought, oh oh like he he did make fun. I thought he made fun of the disabled guy, but he wasn't imitating him for being disabled. I didn't realize he did it to a bunch of other people and right. that it was a normal Trump thing. Exactly. But when I saw that, I laughed because I was like, you know, the fact that he would still mock and laugh that way and kind of flail around says to me that he is bad, but not that bad. Not, right. not in the way they claim he is. You know, my, my thing has always been Trump, in my opinion, is not the, uh, the character you, you expect to see in the, in the, in the Oval Office. Right. And so that I've had an issue with the way he would demean people, make fun of people. And, and I think one thing I've been, been seeing recently, is he's, he's been improving. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did have the, um, the Joe Scarborough thing earlier this, you know, not, not too long ago. Yeah. I I'm not a fan of that stuff. I don't like when he, you know, rails on people that way. But I've been looking, I've been watching his press conferences. I've been paying attention and he's chill. He's way chill, way more chill now than he was. And for me, that, that was kind of a big deal. Not that my, my vote is de- determined based on whether or not someone's a potty mouth. Sure. But it does, play a, it does play some kind of role. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Why don't you like it when he does that? I think you've got a lot of very... So um, it's not professional. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world. Are right? you HR, Tim? No, no, no. Uh, and, 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 and I've had these conversations with Trump supporters, notably, does the president need to be a, a, a perfect character, a perfect image? Should I care if Trump is acting this way, if he's fixing the country? And I'm I, absolutely, you're completely right. So right. policy does come first. But uh, so I'm, I'm not saying, you know, it's the one thing that really does stop me. Early on in his, in his look, he, he hired John Bolton. That was a mistake. He had the missile strike in Syria. And I said, here we go. All of it, you know, he was going to be this, this guy. Now he's not. But he's, he's, he's greatly improved. And we can, we can talk about it in a second. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. So, so you ask me the question again. Well, I was just asking why you don't like it when he right, 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 right. does those things, says those things, acts that way. One, one thing is I'm not a big fan of inefficiency. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've got a bunch of people that are looking for excuses, stop giving them excuses. You know, try and, try and figure out how to navigate this properly. And it seems like we often hear about Trump playing 4D chess where he successfully manipulates and he does these things that triggers and makes them look crazy. I laugh. <laughs> I laugh. I, I do. Look, I, I've, I've, I think Trump is a great entertainer and I think he's a very, very funny guy. But I feel like he could be, he, he could, well, actually, I feel like he is starting to do it. He, he's, start, he's starting to actually uh, play a better role. Maybe his history or the smears against him will, will you know, hold him back quite a bit. But I always was always thinking like I've said this several times, if the Democrats put forward someone with Trump's policies, but didn't do this kind of, you know, bombastic behavior, they'd probably win. Absolutely. Well, and the reverse could have been said in the past, too. I mean, because I always used to think Republican, you know, as a Democrat and as a liberal, I thought to myself, I actually think that Republicans in many ways have better policies, but they have such terrible 
uh, PR in a way. You know, I mean, they, they're, they're, there's such a toxic image that Republicans have. But this kind of t- brings it full circle because the reason why I asked you that question about why don't you like it is because I didn't used to like it either. I mean, this is someone who literally hated Trump. And then, I, you know, something that's important for people to understand is I didn't walk away from the left straight into Trump's arms. I mean, there was I, I made a decision in, in March of 2017 was the day the final straw for me was when Rachel Maddow got on Twitter and said, I've got his tax returns. I've got his tax returns. No, really, I've got his tax returns. Oh, now, I've been researching for two months up until this point, uh, like religiously, and I had found just a whole Bible full of examples of the media lying, manipulating, race baiting, using, uh, you know, uh, hate crime hoaxes, things like this. It was all piling up for me. And I was literally like completely out the door. And then all of a sudden Rachel Maddow gets on Twitter and she says, I've got his tax returns. I've got his tax returns. And I thought to myself, this is really bad, but I'm just, I'm being honest. I was like, okay, if I tune in tonight and she's got some smoking gun about his tax returns, <laughs> I'm going to forget about everything I learned the last two months. And I'm going to get right back on the I hate Trump train. I'm just going to like cognitive dissonance. I'm just going to pretend like it didn't happen. Like that's literally was my mentality. And I really thought there was a chance too. So like and she did that pretty early in the day. So we all had to wait like hours to until her show yeah. was on. So we sit there and I'm sure you saw it. Oh, yeah. She vamped for about 45 <laughs> minutes, just literally talking gibberish about nothing. And then finally, in like the last segment of her show, she produced two pieces of paper, which showed that he paid his taxes yeah, in 2005, like thirty five million dollars or something. She, into those she got roasted for this she because should. it made Trump look good. Yeah. And one of the one of the conspiracy theories was that the Trump camp actually seeded these because they knew she couldn't resist and they knew it would make Trump look good and it would it would do exactly what you experienced. Yes. That you you she was it was it was total bunk. Yes. Did, r- real quick. You know that uh, you know you know about the Durham report. They're they're investigating the investigators for Russiagate. Okay. Rachel Maddow was obsessed every day. Russia, yes. Russia, Russia. Uh huh. Well, we got we got big news, Rachel. They actually arrested a lawyer who was, I guess, essentially fabricating evidence to go after Trump, and she didn't cover it. Interesting. That's the game. That's the game. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I, you know, I've worked for these media companies. I, I know what they're interested in, and it's not honesty. It's attention. It's, right. it's anger. It's rage. So all of these fake stories about Trump, it's a goldmine for them. Well, and then the other thing that they'll do, too, is if the opposition— ends up finding evidence of their own wrongdoing, then they just start attacking the character of the opposition or uh, you know, planting seeds of doubt in the evidence. Uh, I mean, and she's crazy. That woman's insane. I mean, she was, during the Russian thing, she was, I watched her show a couple of times. You, you can only stomach it a, a few times, <laughs> but I, I watched a few of her shows and she was going back. I mean, she was really obsessing about Nixon and trying to draw a connection between Trump and Nixon. And, you know, and that's basically, I think that she knew that the evidence was so flimsy or evidence, you know, against yeah. Trump that what she tried to do was get everyone all riled up about Nixon and then just be like, Oh, and by the way, Trump's like Nixon. You know, and that would yeah, be the trans- end of the show. Transfer all that hate over, like build it up and then send it to Trump. Right, right. So I'm sorry. The reason why I asked you that question is because I finally walked away in March of 2018. And then it was probably another five or six months before I became a Trump fan. And the reason why I became a Trump fan is because I, I mean, I developed a, a hatred for the media, the media that I once loved. I loved Rachel Maddow. I loved Anderson Cooper. I loved that 
stupid idiot Don Lemon. I loved all, all of <laughs> wow, these. Wow, that one's tough. Horrible people. Well, he's just the worst. He is. The thing about Don Lemon is like Rachel Maddow. I think, and even Anderson Cooper, they're savvy enough to know what they're doing. Like it's intentional manipulation. I don't believe that Don Lemon actually knows it's a lie. I mean, when he goes on the TV crying every day and freaking out, and, and <laughs> like he literally thinks that the country is overrun by white supremacists. Like, yeah. like he's not in on the meetings when they're like, like let's run this narrative tonight. They, you know, yeah. He just is reading from the teleprompter. He's like, <laughs> white supremacists. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't, I don't know if I remember. Oh, so when I finally <laughs> discovered, <laughs> so when I finally discovered how much I hate the the media and how toxic they are and what they're doing in the ways, especially that they're manipulating minorities and stuff, then I started to see that this rhetoric from Trump and his take no BS and but it's not just take no BS. I mean, he's he's a troll. He's a oh, yeah. funny, funny troll. And it's like it, it's so empowering to all of these people on the right conservatives who a lot of these people, they're just living day to day, paycheck to paycheck, trying to figure out how, if they're going to have enough money to pay their bills next month. Can I send my kids to college? Meanwhile, they're getting called Nazis, racist, white supremacists. They're getting called privileged. They're, I mean, they're getting crapped on every day in the worst possible way, demeaned, just dragged through the mud. And they have no voice and they have no power. And here you've got the most powerful man in the office trolling his ass off on their behalf. And it's beautiful. It is the most gorgeous, beautiful thing about being alive right now. I, I, I love this man. I think, I think the, the like it is, uh, to clarify, I think it's hilarious. When, when Trump won, I had my feet up. I was laughing. Just, I could not stop. It was a, really? a, a hearty. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who did you vote for? I didn't vote for anybody. Why? Because I, 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 Obama, man. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool I me see. twice. So I was just like, I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm so over this. I was chilling in D.C. with Cassandra Fairbanks. She was on board for Trump, surrounded in this newsroom by a bunch of Democrats. They were gloating, and they were the perfect example of snooty, elitist, like... <laughs> Trump is going to lose. Oh, he's so pathetic. When they start, when they announced he was going to sue because once you know Nevada was coming in or something, they're like, "Here it comes." They all started laughing, and then we were watching the New York Times had this meter that was pointed all the way to Hillary Clinton, ninety-nine percent chance of winning. It slowly started moving up towards Trump, and Cassandra, you, you know, you know, you know Cassandra, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I do. Yeah. So Cassandra's watching this, and she's like, "Oh my, oh my God!" Like it's it's going up for Trump. And then I remember when it crossed to fifty-fifty. And we were both looking at each other. I wasn't in the bag for anybody. I just was, I, I, I was so fed up with the Democrats because I felt like Obama spat, on, spat my face over, yeah. over war stuff. And so I was like, I don't like Hillary. I was really mad about Bernie because I was, I was big for Bernie at the time. I was like, Bernie is this consistent guy. Oh, that's very different today. But anyway, so, so I was like, Hillary's about to get her comeuppance. I will laugh if Donald <laughs> Trump wins. The meter starts going further and further. And then when it got to the point where it was like, Trump is going to win and nothing's stopping it, I just started laughing. Everyone in the room is like crying. <laughs> Cassandra was crying tears of joy. Yes. Everyone else is, is crying yes. tears of like shock and sorrow. And I was just laughing. Taking off their I'm with her sticker. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what it was for me? It was, oh man, it was cathartic. It was like, you get this. We, you play dirty games mm -hmm. and now you lose. So good. So did yeah. you think think he could win before he won you know what's interesting is part of me always felt like he would win but mm. i felt like the machine wouldn't let him win interesting i still i feel that way right now too right like everything i see all the time the democrat like biden he's not even you, i don't know if you saw my tweet about it but it see I, I said it 
you know, Biden-Harris is kind of like when you're in a rush and your socks are dirty, so you grab two random ones out of the drawer. Right. And you're not worried about impressing anybody at the Dairy Queen anyway, so you don't care, and you right. walk out. <laughs> right, it, right. it just, it's, it feels like they don't care. Like, yeah. they're just like, eh, well. Yeah. But part of me still feels like with all the mail-in voting stuff, everything they're doing, that they're going to play dirty games to try and shut them out. I think so, for sure. Can yeah. I tell you a funny little anecdote of about course, the media? Of that Okay. So, <laughs> you were talking about all the people in the press room who are being so arrogant. I have uh, a good friend who works for a very popular national morning TV show on ABC <laughs> that rhymes with I can see what Butch you Morning America. <laughs> I see what you wrote down. <laughs> and um, she, very, very liberal, uh, big Trump hater, she is. And after I'd had my conversion, uh, she and I were having dinner. It was very tense. She's actually really cut me out of her life uh she's one of like 90 percent of my former friends who cut me up but she did we did have a dinner together after that and um and i was trying delicately to explain to her how biased the media is now i didn't think that she would take this personally because she's kind of on i mean she's more on like the production end but she said to me um She's like, well, I, you know, I'm, I am the media. And she was like, I, I just, I don't agree with what you're saying. And I take that very personally. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. But I was like, I, I think that there's really clearly bias in the way that the media covers and, and handles Trump. And she was like, I know. And she goes, and then she goes, well, she goes, I guess on election night, we did not even bother to create the, the Trump graphic if he won. <laughs> I was like, Whoa. Yeah. You, wow. You think? <laughs> The, they created so, the Hillary graphic, but they didn't even bother mm-hmm. to co- create the Trump wins graphic. So we, we've often talked about how, like, how did the media miss this? Mm-hmm. There was a study that was done. Uh, I've cited several times from, uh, I think it's University of Illinois at, at Champaign-Urbana that found the Beltway bubble is worse now than it was in 2016. Okay. So they're doing the same thing. You get meet the press going on and saying like, oh, Joe Biden, he's going to win. Trump's only, only got a 17% chance of winning. And uh, I think I think her name's Savannah Guthrie. I'm not sure. She's like, yeah. we've heard this story before. Why should we believe it? And they're like, oh, don't be silly. <laughs> Joe Biden's gonna win. <laughs> no, the, the Beltway reporters, they follow each other and no one else. So all they're doing is playing a game of telephone with each other all day, every day. Right. And so they just keep recycling the same garbage information without actually googling anything. But they and shouldn't even be running polls after what happened in 2016. They should be so poll shy at this point. I can't believe they're still going with it. Well, the the poll thing is interesting. It's because they don't know how to actually poll Trump's base. Yes. And so they've admitted it. Yeah. Straight up admitted it. And right now, there was, there was an article from Politico that said, we still don't know how to accurately poll Donald Trump's base. Right. And I'm like, then why are you polling? If you put out the poll, our margin of error is 10% because we can't, you know, we, we don't know how to call <laughs> contact these people. Yeah. Yeah. Trump's base was new voters. I, so I think what, what really helped me and prevented me from, you know, um, actually, let, let, me say, let me put it this way. You know, Bernie Sanders and Trump had a lot in common yeah. uh, early on. And so for me right away, I'm on the ground. I was covering these Trump rallies. I was meeting these people who are going to the rallies. And I was hearing a lot of them say, you know, Bernie has said these things too. So we like him, but he's kind of too far left for us. And we want a businessman. And then after... Bernie Sanders lost the nomination. I actually met several Trump supporters who flipped from Bernie to Trump, who said straight up their biggest issue was NAFTA and the TPP. That, that you know, I met one older guy who said, look, I work at a factory. I have kids. The factory is going to shut down next year. Bernie Sanders said that he was going to, you know, end TPP and, and, and deal with NAFTA. And that would have saved my factory. So 
I, I, I had one guy I met him. I think this was in Janesville, Wisconsin, who told me that because Bernie Sanders was a politician who had the experience, he thought he was the right choice, even though he was really far left. And then once Bernie got the boot, Donald Trump was his only choice. Right. There's a lot of people I met like that. Yeah, I've met those people, too. And I think that a lot of people are surprised when they hear people for a lot of people. There's a, a closer gap between Trump and Bernie than there is between Biden and Bernie. Yeah, that is a further leap for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah Hillary, yeah. Biden. I, w- I went to a bunch of these rallies and I, r- I remember one from Fort Lauderdale. It w- I was I was talking to this woman. She was very nice. And she told me that she had never she had not voted before. And she was like middle aged. And she's like, I've, I've never voted for anybody in my life. I never cared. And then Donald Trump came around and started talking about issues that matter to me and my family. Right. And now we're all here having a good time. We're barbecuing. They were having hot dogs, having a good time hanging out. Trump is hilarious. I think a lot of people on the left, they really don't want to admit it, but the man is a funny guy. Oh, he's hilarious. And this, I, sorry. I was going to say, I just, I, I, the one thing I love was when he made fun of himself for being orange. Yeah. He's like, the lights <laughs> in this room, they're making me look orange. I don't know what it is. It was, it's hilarious. Yes. So, you know, for me, I didn't, I didn't want to vote for anybody because I felt like, you know, I'm going to vote for somebody. And then in the first couple of years, Trump, he brought on Bolton, you know, oof, he, he brought on some people he should not have brought on. He was getting involved in dr- uh, drone strikes, missile strikes, but he's cleaned up his act. Yeah. Absolutely. Now he's now I think he's wow. No new wars and actually trying to end the, you know, the, the, the war in Afghanistan and Iraq and, and the establishment is trying to shut him down. That makes me really angry. Can I ask how you feel about his handling of coronavirus? I think it's fine. I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I do, too. The, the, it's, it's strange to me how many times we hear people say he should have done a better job. What? what he, he runs the federal government. He banned right. travel from certain areas. He addressed the nation. And now it's up to the governors to decide what is the appropriate per, uh, level of action. Right. Joe Biden announces we're going to do a mandatory national mask mandate. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the authority to do that. Right. Well, and it's also I mean, it, look, uh, <laughs> I know a lot of people say, oh, we shouldn't be politicizing this. It, it's already politicized. It's already political. And let's not pretend like it's not, you know, governors on the left who want to keep everything shut down, who are pushing more. I mean, people on the right are like, let's go. Let's get let's get back right. to work. Let's figure Absolutely. this out. But then the people, you know, it's the, the Democrats who are also saying Trump ruined the economy. Trump ruined the economy. Well, no, coronavirus ruined the economy. Right. And you want to keep the economy ruined by keeping everything shut down. And then you want to blame Trump because you want to keep everything shut down. Exactly. Yeah. We're in New Jersey. We're, we're uh, in the Philly Burbs. Yes. The Atlas Gym. Uh-huh. It's about five miles away. Okay. We're, we're, you, they oh, the arrest, guy, yes. They, got, they arrested those two guys. Yes. We're, look, we're looking. I, I looked at all the data. I'm looking at what the scientists are saying. And many are speculating now we've reached herd immunity a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yet why are they still locking down? Deaths are way, way down. I, Hospitalizations are ridiculously down. Yes. Asymptomatic cases have popped up a little bit, starting to go back down again. Yes. Yet they're still saying it went from 15 days to slow the spread to 155. And we're not doing anything until we have a vaccine. Right. When, when, when were we ever trying to prevent everyone from getting sick? That's I've been asking that question a lot. And why are we also now that look the the number one thing that we should be looking at is deaths that's really honestly all that we should be caring about i don't care if there's seven billion cases if the majority of them are going to recover and everybody's going to be fine but the death count is not really rising at any significant level by any metric and so why now are people becoming so deranged about mask wearing and and these you know i mean from our culture and our society people are becoming uh absolutely nuts and i'll tell you something too i travel a lot in my work a lot a lot and i've 
said New Jersey is the most COVID deranged state totally. in the entire country. People are out of control here. I had like three incidents in one Wawa. Uh, one guy, four feet tall, came up to me and threatened to beat the hell out of me. For uh, not wearing a mask. For not wearing a mask. Wow. Yeah. And it was like I've... this huge incident and everyone in the Wawa wanted to get involved in it. And I was just like, and he's like this close to my face. <laughs> pulling his mask down so I can hear him as he's threatening to beat me up. And I'm <laughs> For like, not wearing a mask. Yeah. There's there's a there's a park not too far from here we went to. Nobody was wearing masks. Well, that's good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm, I wish there was more of that in New well, Jersey. The, the, the thing to me is like people wearing masks in their cars and outside. <laughs> that to me, look, I wear a mask. Those are my favorite people I, in the car by themselves. I, 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 I have no problem wearing a mask in stores. I think it's not even an issue to me. I don't care. Sure. I go to the Home Depot or whatever and I just pop it on. I mind my own business. I leave it, take it off. But it is the people who are outside who are acting like we're living through the apocalypse. Right. And that, that's, a, that's a level of derangement that is very scary to me. Yes. I think I, I, my, my theory as to why this is happening, the media doesn't allow conversations that challenge orthodoxy. Yes. Within reason. Like, you, they will ban conservatives. They will ban people who are of moderate opinion. They'll even ban liberals who challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. It's all about maintaining that, that fear and that paranoia because it's like an uncontrollable mob. That demands it. If you come out and you say something like, we've got Harvey Risch of Yale, MD, PhD, saying hydroxychloroquine can help. Not a cure, but it can actually get us through this. And they, they panic and they freak out and they ban the videos. They shut it down, even though Newsweek published him. And then it's a, it's a huge panic fiasco of how dare you publish this article. If the only acceptable opinion is that the world is ending, then the only thing anyone's ever going to hear is that's worse. It's worse. Every day right. it's worse, even though it's not worse. It's getting better. Right. But even with all the charts, it's still the apocalypse. No, nope, we're not opening up until we have a vaccine. We, we, we flatten the curve. The, the curve cannot be any flat, flatter. Like we, we actually, New York, I think, New York City had no deaths yesterday. Actually, so I, I need to fact check that. Fact check me on that one. But if that's the case, then there's no flattening anything. There's no curve anymore. It's literally right. nothing there. Right. Well, and, you know, uh, people talk a lot about how, you know, in our society today, you know, young people are not taught how to think, but just what to think. They don't really know how to think clearly for themselves. In a way, I think that kind of carries over into society at large because, you know, the whole, and look, I'm no great scientist, don't get me wrong, but I know that the whole point of scientific theory and, you know, hypothesis and, hypothesis and experimentation is you rule out what does not work. You don't start by saying, this is the right answer, and no one's allowed to challenge me. So, <laughs> right. I mean, I, I, we, why we're telling certain doctors who are contradicting the, the narrative, why we're shutting them down, banning them on social media, and canceling them, rather than testing their theory and saying, your theory is bunk, this doesn't work. It's crazier than that. Breitbart got their video removed, and they were just reporting on a press conference. By all means, I think some of the things I said were absolutely incorrect. Yes. Like, I, I do not believe it's fair to say that it, hydroxychloroquine is a cure. I, I, that's not, that's, I, I look to Harvey Rich, MD, PhD, because some of the doctors actually cited him, and he says it's just something that would help if used very early on. That's what he said so far. Don't take my word for it, and I always have to preface this. Just talk to your doctor. My opinion, should, you should not be coming from, from, to me. Right. You know, do it on the internet for an opinion. No, you should, you should actually talk to your doctor about it. They'll give you the better advice. The bigger issue is that news outlets are actually getting shut down. The conversation gets silenced. Right. And then regular people are sitting there watching CNN with only one allowed opinion. Yes. It's worse today than it's ever been. Yes. You, you hate life. Life is miserable and everyone's dying. Yes. 
Yeah. And then regular people out in the you know middle of the country throwing the football around. They're going to barbecues. Right. Everything's normal. Now, when you're talking about uh, masks and kind of how you feel about it, how do you feel about these jerks who don't wear them on airplanes? People like you. That? You. Who? What? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I absolutely you, saw this happen. I rolled my eyes and I'm like, why didn't you just wear a mask, dude? Okay, can we get into it? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I rolled my eyes. Yeah. And I was like, just wear it. Come on. Stupid Brandon Strzok. <laughs> no. Stupid, stupid walk away idiot. Always looking Not for attention. A mask. Yeah. Um, no, that story was very much misreported. And there's kind of like a, a, a dual side to it, too, which was it was one of... Uh, in all of my trials and tribulations since I started walk away, and there's been a lot... Um, that was the most helpless, honestly, I've ever felt because almost no one from the conservative media came to my aid when, I mean, it just, it was spinning out of control and fast and it went international. I, I was, I was on the airplane because they took me off the flight and they actually put me on another flight. And by the time I landed, uh, which, it was on CNN. Oh, wow. Yeah. People were sending me screenshots. It had my name, my picture and it, it, it was, yeah. And I was like, mm. uh, so what actually happened and you and maybe you'll disagree with this too. Sure. But I just want you to know what actually happened. I was on the airplane and like I said it's not unusual for me to travel every week, sometimes multiple times a week. And up until that point, I had never worn a mask on an airplane ever. And no one had ever said a word about it. Right. It had never been a problem. And also I wasn't the only one. There were I'm not, maybe even the majority were, but there were I was not the only person not wearing a mask on the plane. And I fly a lot, so I know that on every flight up until that point, they would make an announcement at the beginning, please be courteous and respectful to those who are unable to wear a mask. So clearly, it's their policy that not everybody has to wear a mask, Right. that some people cannot, and you should be courteous and respectful to those who cannot. So I had never worn a mask. I had never been asked to wear a mask before on a flight, and I, I was doing nothing out of the ordinary on that day. I was on the plane. We were very close to taking off, and this overzealous flight attendant walked up to me and said, literally, this is how the conversation began. First first uh, comments out of her mouth. She said, sir, you need to put on your mask right now or you can't be on this plane. That, that's what she said to me. And I said, that's not true. And she was like, it is true. It is true. She was like, you need to put on a mask right now or I'm removing you from this flight. And I was like, you can't do that. She said, yes, it's the law. I said, it's not the law. And she, was, and she was arguing with me about it being a law. And I kept saying, that's not a federal law. It's not a law that you have to wear a mask. Now, this is where I involved myself and how stupid it got. Because I got so, my ego got so involved in the argument about whether or not it was a law that I probably should have just dropped it. That would have been the right thing to do. Because I really, I was just annoyed by her tone. I was annoyed by her aggressiveness. And she was wrong. It's not a law. Well, but hold on. Mm -hmm. Flight attendants can tell you what to do. Absolutely. Within reason, but if they if a flight attendant walks up to the captain and says, "Remove that man," you're out. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But that's we hadn't gotten that far yet. Right, right, she right. She was just telling me you have to wear the the mask because it's the law. Right. And uh, so I was arguing with her about that. So she went. She got another flight attendant who came back, and this flight attendant decided to start in with the same thing. She was like, "Sir, the law is that you have to wear the mask." And I was like, "I just said it's not a law." It's not a law. You know, I mean, and again, I'm not saying I'm right here. I, I was being stupid and I was having a, you know, a petty thing where I wanted to point out that there's a difference between law and policy and I didn't like their tone, whatever. So once I got to the point where I realized I was like, this is really dumb. I just said, look, 
I just want to point out, I was like, none of you have even bothered to ask if I might have a medical condition that prevents me from being able to wear a mask. And they still didn't ask. I mean, they were still just kind of like so into the... the I we're going to win. We're going to win. That's yeah. exactly what it was. So they left. The two of them left. When they came back, they brought the pilots and they brought a manager from American Airlines. And the manager from American Airlines was like really not feeling me like from the moment she walked over like just and see this is another thing that bothers me too in this age of like mask wearing and covid anybody in the hospitality industry has given themselves a complete pass to just be a total a-hole whenever they want <laughs> i mean you walk into a restaurant you walk into a hotel where's your mask put your mask on i'm like can you still not just be like good evening sir how are you welcome our policy here is that you have to wear like right. you know none of that anymore now people are just giving themselves carte blanche to be the biggest jerks that they want to be so the manager walks up to me and she had an attitude right from the beginning and she was just like uh she was like you know I, I hear that you're refusing to wear a mask and whatever and i'm like that's not even it i was like your staff didn't even bother to ask me if i might there might be a reason why i can't wear a mask and then the, the passengers were getting agitated at this point just let's go let's go <laughs> and, and that was the moment where the woman said to me i'm taking you off this flight and i was like whoa Wow. Okay. And I gave, I put up no resistance. I put up no argument. I gathered my things and I left the flight. And when I got off the flight, I went to the man, a different manager who was waiting outside and I explained the situation. And that manager said, wow, it sounds like, you know, that was not handled very well. And I was like, yeah, I agree. And then the, the, the manager that came into the plane who was, had an attitude, she came up to me and she said very quietly, she was like, did anyone from our staff ask you if you had a medical condition? And I said, no, that was my point all along. And she was like, okay, well, they really should have. And I was like, yeah, they really should have. So they booked me on another flight. I thought we were good. Wow. They said to me, um, will you wear the mask on the plane? And I was like, fine, I'll wear the mask on the plane. I got on the plane wearing the mask. I had a lovely flight with no incident. When I landed, CNN <laughs> was covering the story. How did they find out about it? Did you post about it? Because there was a reporter on the plane wow. next to me. And Creepy. He and he tweeted about it. And then they picked up the story from his tweet. And um, so when I landed at uh, my connection, there was an, another manager from American waiting for me. He, wait, he was waiting for me at the gate. He apologized. And he said, it sounds like this all got really blown out of proportion. And I said, I agree. I thought we were good. Like I, I was, I, I thought it was over. Uh, it became a huge story because I think CNN <laughs> broke it, and I, literally within like twenty four hours, it went international. And I mean, it was really bad. And I have a thick skin. I mean, it it didn't hurt me or, or anything, but it was, you know, they they went through my videos and they found like, look how expressive I am, right? right so they right. freeze phrase moments where I'm like. <laughs> oh, you know, no. and they use that as the cover photo, and they're oh, like, man. "Trump supporter, angry Trump supporter <laughs> no. refuses to wear a mask on plane." And I think the story got so big at that point that then American Airlines called me about two or three days later and said, "You're banned from the airline." Wow, that's what happened. So this was never a thing about me feeling that a private company doesn't have the right to make their own policies, whatever. For me, this was just a thing that your policy is that some people cannot wear a mask. Yeah. So don't you feel an obligation to ask a person if there's a reason why they're not wearing one rather than tell them, put your mask on or get off the plane because that's not your policy. Not, not only that, there were tons of stories about how airlines weren't enforcing mask policies too. Right. My, my thing was very much like, look, I, I think I saw a video from you 
And then I saw the story and I very passively looked at it and I was just like, just wear the mask, whatever, man. But, but it is interesting because <laughs> you could have just said, sorry, and put a mask on. Right. But what if she had, like, to what, to what degree is a, is a request unreasonable or inappropriate of a flight attendant? So, look, I'll tell you this. I just put the mask on. I, I got, someone sent me this really cool mask, got a little beanie on it. Yeah. I don't, I don't really care that, all that much. So, for sure, I definitely rolled my eyes at the story. Right. But. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I am absolutely one of those people who sees the mask as um, an exercise in compliance. Uh, that where it is to wear it, especially to be forced to wear it when you don't want to wear it, is a sign of submission to yeah. a belief system that I don't believe in, to a, a theory about this virus that I do not accept and I don't believe in at all. And so I don't want to be a part of that. And I admit that. However, uh, I cannot stop traveling. If I stop yeah. traveling, I have no movement. And so I have to comply with the, the private policies of airlines at this point to be able to do the work that I have to do. And I hate it, but it's either that or let's not have walk away before the election, which I think is not a good idea. That I, I totally understand. Like uh, I, I often tell people, hey, avoid swearing on the show because we don't want YouTube to get an excuse to shut us down or anything sure. like that. And there are certain things I can't say. There's notably right. a, a, a CIA character. If you say his name, they'll just sh the stream will be shut off instantly. Yeah, like it, that's that's insane to me. Yeah, newsworthy and everything, but the way I see it is, do I have a better shot at letting people know knowing what's going on by talking about all these things, or should I just get angry and shut it all down overnight because I I refuse on something like saying a name? Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that now that you know the story. Have you changed your mind about how you feel about it? It's okay if you haven't. Which about you? About the airline? A little bit. <laughs> Not I, I think, like I still think you're a jerk, but no, I think you were you were being assertive. I I, I yeah. totally understand the don't come to me and tell me you, you, don't make up a fake policy and come at me, right. or, or don't exaggerate the policy, or don't disrespect me, right? Like you said, if you know, very, you're not seeing people saying, "I'm sorry, sir, it's our policy to wear a mask." They're they're coming at you in a very aggressive manner. Right. If someone came to me and got in my face, you're less likely. You know, it's it's you get more flies with honey than with vinegar, right? S certainly. But let me let me tell you one quick anecdote. Of course, I got physically assaulted on an American Airlines flight. They refused to do anything to help me. Really? Yeah, I, I was uh, I was boarding a plane, and usually this is really really funny. You, you may notice that uh, I just kind of, you know, wear an unbuttoned shirt, not tucked in with a beanie on. <laughs> so I probably don't look like someone who should be flying first class. <laughs> I was standing. I always do this. I am. I have, uh, as many people have jokingly referred to me, some kind of obsessive, compulsive, whatever. I get up about 20 minutes before every flight and I, I get in line. I want to get in. I want to get my, my carry on in and I want to get out of the way as fast as possible. I don't want to be stuck behind anybody else and I don't want anyone stuck behind me. Mm. So my thing is like. If I'm in the first boarding group, I'm in, I'm down, and I'm out of your way, and you're out of my way, and we're good to go. So I get in line, and this old couple walks past me, and I'm, I'm literally like standing, they're about to call you know, the first group. They walk right in front of me, just stop in front of me. And so I was confused, and I assumed when, when they called you know, group one or whatever for first class, they just stood there. And I was like, they must be coach. They must have just, you know, they're cutting in front, whatever. I walked past the guy, and he snapped. Hey, hey, started yelling. I walk up. She scans my ticket. They were first class. His wife shoves me and I, I jolt forward. And then I turn around and I was like, uh-uh, no way. And I told them that that lady just like physically attacked me. What they said was, okay, we can pull both of you off the flight or you can shut up. Well, you shouldn't have been shoved like that. It's your I, fault. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have. Exactly. Yep. You're asking for it too. And so they, they, uh, 
brought me, you know, we went to the plane and they were also sitting, you know, a couple rows back in first oh, class. God. And the lady was livid that I was allowed on or whatever. And like, I, I always sit in the bulkhead. I was, I was like seat 1A. And I was, I was furious. Like I complained for quite a while. I was like, I was attacked by this woman who was angry because she cut me in line and I didn't do anything. And then now you expect me to get on this plane and say nothing. Otherwise, you're going to kick me off the plane. And they said, or we'll have you both arrested. So needless wow. to say, I have, you know, I can understand your frustration and getting, right. getting, getting, you know, pushed around a little bit. But uh, I was I was a dedicated American Airlines flyer before that happened. Yeah. Well, was, everything. No, nope, not anymore. Well, it's interesting, too, because I, I, you know, like I said, I fly constantly and I feel like maybe I just wasn't paying attention before. But now. Now I notice that their their flights are cheaper than everyone else's. Flight. Every time I have to book, I'm like, <laughs> of course, spending hundreds of dollars more every week. And I'm like, Argh. I even told you could have uh, just put the mask on. I know. I told my <laughs> I told my assistant Paul. I was like, just write him a letter and tell him whatever they want to hear. Just be like, he's sorry. He feels bad. I'm like, I don't just tell him whatever they want. It's hey, not worth hey, spending. Hey. United's not that bad. Yeah, United's not that bad. So uh, let's let's do this. Let's talk about walk away. Okay, because you you sat down. And I said, the short sure question, question. Sure <laughs> question. So uh, you, you, when you first got here, I was like, you know, normally what we, what we like to do is we like to grab like the relevant news stories that might matter to you. So we just had the DNC. It's kind of perfect you're here. We kind of had like an un-DNC week. We had Carrie Smith. She's liberals for Trump. We had Jack Murphy, Democrat to deplorable. And now you're here. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, you have to walk away. You, you do. You have to walk away from yeah. the But you said from the left. And I was like, what I said was I, I, I walked away from the Democrats, I think, officially like April or something, when I was like, I am done donating to these people. I donated to a few of these, you know, a few of these Democrats because I thought we needed to try and salvage, you know, find some people who are challenging the Democratic establishment to make sure the party doesn't fall into, you know, the hands of the, you know, the Dark Lord or whatever. Right. But then, but then what happened? So, uh, look, I, I think Tulsi is great. And I donated to her and I was straight up like Tulsi is is the right choice because she's willing to bridge the gap with Trump supporters. Talked with Tucker Carlson. She's very anti-war. I love it. And then she supported impeachment, although I think she ultimately abstained or whatever. She got snubbed from the DNC. Go figure. They're not right. You, you can see what they what they do to Tulsi and how they treated her in that they're not. You, I, don't, I don't think they, they can be salvaged at this point, at least. And then Yang went right on board with all this stuff, too. And I just felt like the people that I thought I was going to support who are going to try and push back on the absurdity joined right in the moment they had the opportunity. And I should have learned my lesson with Bernie Sanders. You know, Bernie doesn't say millionaires anymore. No. Bernie Sanders used to say the millionaires and the billionaires in this country. <laughs> and then guess what happened? What? He became a millionaire. Oh, right. And then all of a yeah. sudden he just started saying the, the billionaires. Like me. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, dude, you can be a millionaire and still call out extreme wealth and influence in politics. No, he got right on board. He's supporting Hillary. You know, he supported her. He supported Biden. And I was like, what is this? Right. He was supposed to be the honest guy. And I believed in him. And then I remember this moment on the debate stage when when Bernie said, if you're white, you don't know what it's like to be poor. And that for me, I was like, excuse me, dude. I was like, I'm from the South Side. I thought this guy cared about working class people. Right. South Side of Chicago. I thought he cared about working class people. I thought he was fighting for, you know, help like unions and, and, and these, these traditional values that the Democrats are supposed to support. And then he had the nerve to get up there and say white people don't know what it's like to be poor or live in a ghetto. One, someone I grew up, someone I knew when I was, when I was a teenager died of a heroin overdose. Mm-hmm. Other people have been shot and killed. And guess what? They were white. 
They certainly knew what it was like to live in a ghetto. And I was extremely angry. Bernie Sanders said that. Then when he lost, he went and endorsed Hillary. And I was like, get out of here. It's, it's, it's exactly the problem. Fool me once, fool me twice, fool me thrice. It's just going to keep happening. So I yeah. didn't vote for anybody. But now I'm angry. Yeah. For a lot of the reasons you probably said, look, I worked for this media company. They told me to lie. They didn't explicitly say, hey, Tim, go lie. They said side with the audience. I asked if that means that there's a news story that would be offensive to our audience. We don't we don't report it. And they said, yes, that's fair. So what does that mean? That means if you're watching a fight between Antifa and, say, the Proud Boys, I better not let the audience know that the Proud Boys were only defending themselves right. because that would offend the audience. Yes. So then what do we report? Antifa was viciously attacked by a proud boy. Right. That's how everything plays out. And I said no to it. They put me in golden handcuffs. The money was great, but I couldn't do anything. Contract ended. I was out. I started my own thing. I actually went to a bunch of these other companies. After I left, it was called Fusion. It was ABC News and Univision Joint Venture. I went to a bunch of the New York companies. They all knew me. They all loved me. And I saw what was going on in those offices. I saw these people who were lying on purpose for money that were playing dirty games. And I said, appreciate the offer. And I left. Aren't a lot of them also there for kind of altruistic reasons and have their hands tied themselves that they're kind of taking orders from the top about what they're supposed to, what the narrative is or what they're supposed to be saying they don't want to actually no. be doing it? No, not the, at all. The, 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 the way it works is that they would never hire you because they know what you say. Yeah. They hire people who say, who already talk the way they want. Right. It's, 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 it's just that simple. A lot of people seem to think that these journalists are being forced to do it. No, no, no. The journalists that don't want to do it quit or get fired. And then they hire people. They'll ask them in the interview, how do you feel about Trump? Oh, I can't stand him. Hmm. Well, this is a tech reporting. <laughs> You're hired. Beat. You're hired. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's how it rolls. Wow. So here's the question I had. You said walk away from the left, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can rag on Democrats all day and night. But sure. I don't see my political opinions changing for the most part. I will say with all of the chaos and destruction in a lot of these cities, at this point, even though my, my, my policy ideas and opinions, some of them are, are pretty, you know, deep seated because I've thought really hard about certain issues, um, you know, freedom, pro-choice, taxes and things like that. But I'm willing to give the Republicans a go of it in big cities because the Democrats have completely failed. Yes. They're corrupt beyond recognition at this point. Right. I mean, you look at the big cities and it is it. it I mean, there's Bill de Blasio giving his wife a two million dollar staff. Meanwhile, he's going to lay off EMTs. It's like, I, I get it, man. A $2 million a year staff isn't going to pay for every single EMT, but you can hire a lot of them. Nope, nope. My wife needs these people to film her baked cookies. Then you look at Garcetti in LA. What's he doing? He says, we're going to shut your power off if you have a peaceful assembly. Right. That's, that's unconstitutional and a violation of human Not rights. Not just a peaceful assembly if you have too many guests over to your house. Well, that's what it is, a peace, peaceable assembly. It's the right. First Amendment. Yeah. The Constitution doesn't say what you can assemble for. It says you can assemble, period. Yeah, but we're talking about indoor. We're not even talking about in a public place or a public venue. I mean, it's like, I, I'm not allowed to get coronavirus if I want to at somebody else's house. Like, that's not my choice yeah. anymore. Well, uh, look, I, I can understand wanting to prevent COVID for sure. And it seems like we had a really big problem earlier this year. And it was kind of it was kind of scary. These, these Fraser trucks in New York City, a lot of bodies being pulled out. Italy brought in the military to bring bodies out. It seems like we did get hit by something. And it seems like it's mostly, mostly gone, mostly herd immunity. To be fair, I understand we're locked down. And the reason we, we may still be seeing very little uptick is because we are locked down. But to me, we were told 15 days to slow the spread, not stop COVID. Correct. Which means these cities, these states, you look at South Dakota, they're having a great time barbecue and they threw a parade for their governor 
their GDP is improving. She, act, uh, Christy Nome rejected the, the stimulus that Trump, you know, the, uh, the executive order stimulus because she's like, we don't need it. Our, 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 our people are back at work. Now, I, I get it. It's not, you know, as population dense as, say, New York. But New Jersey's arresting people. Right. Still. Yes. This is this is insanely corrupt. Insanely corrupt. Well, and there's no acknowledgement either that New New York, New Jersey. I mean, the vast majority of the people who died died in nursing homes. I think I think it's like forty something. Forty two percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The plurality, yeah. I suppose. Of, yeah. You know. So so what do you what, what what is what do you mean when you tell me to walk away from the left though? Well, you kind of just started to transition into I guess what I would have said is that. You know, a lot of people say people have a lot of opinions, about, obviously, about what I do. And some of the things that people say to me is, that, you know, you've got to you've got to distinguish the difference between a liberal and a leftist. It's not the same thing. People say it's to true. Me. OK, maybe. Yeah, OK. Actually, I, I can get on board with maybe that that's not true. However, I was just having this conversation, I think, last night with somebody else. Um, I make the analogy of Black Lives Matter. Okay, uh, which is pretty apt these days. So there are Black Lives Matter protesters that are peaceful, for sure. Uh, There are a lot of Black Lives Matter rioters and people who are out committing acts of violence, vandalism, have murdered people. Um, And somehow I'm expected to distinguish the difference between the two. Or, Or I'm expected to take someone at their word when they say, well, yeah, some of the people are doing that, but I'm one of the good ones. Or 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 that, you know, we we somehow have to just acknowledge that it's a big movement. Some of it's bad, some of it's good. Let's ignore the bad and let's just focus on the good. It doesn't work that way. For me, it doesn't work that way whatsoever. And I apply the same exact logic to the left in general. I don't want to hear about how you're one of the good liberals. And that you're not like the other people from the same party or the same sort of ideology that you uh, consider yourself to be a part of. Because once you have people in your political movement who are beyond just race baiting, beyond telling lies, beyond creating narratives in the media that are so divisive and destructive, but are actually out looting, stealing, shooting, burning things to the ground, destroying killing cities, people. killing people, you mm. name it. I'm not going to sit here and play this game with you. Uh, but I'm a li- I'm a good liberal. I'm not a leftist. I'm a- get the hell out of there, dude. Cut and oh, run. Hold on, hold on. Cut and run. Liberal means something, and it's been really corrupted by everybody mm-hmm. over a certain Black time. Black Lives Matter means something. It absolutely does. So if someone was uh, a white nationalist and they called themselves a cons- conservative, I could apply similar logic. Well, I'm not going to listen to you as you try and tell me you're one of the conservatives who's not on board with that, you know, fringe ideology. So it, it, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? Well, unfortunately, though, with the example that you named, we're talking about like 65 million voters and like a few thousand that are actually white supremacists or white nationalists or, or whatever. And I don't believe that the discrepancy is that great in the Black Lives Matter movement or liberals in general. I think you're right. I do. I think you're right, especially with that argument. There is substantially less white nationalists and supremacists relative to the bulk of the conservative voting bloc in this country. Right. So, so I hear your argument. I just, it kind of, I, I don't want to give up what liberalism literally is. But you don't have to. You don't have to. That's the thing. You know, I uh, my values haven't changed whatsoever, with the exception of a few policy issues, which might be a really big deal to some people. Uh, 
you know, things like the border. I've changed my opinion completely about a border wall, border security, or illegal immigration in general. Yeah. I I would have been for it before, and I now I'm not. But you know, even even Bernie was talking about building border barriers and dealing with illegal immigration back, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Right. Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, they all were. Right. And and uh, Hillary Clinton said we need a border barrier. Right. So for me, when Trump came out with the wall, I was like, and? It's yeah. just what the Democrats, have, and then also the Democrats opposed it. Right. I, I think a wall is a little stronger than a barrier. Is, and that's where sure. they were just like, well, it was fine when it was, you know, a barbed wire fence that they could <laughs> crawl over. And but. that, well, but, but then when Trump actually builds bollard fencing, they complain, <laughs> well, he was supposed to build a wall. Like, what, do you, what do you care for? You know, that's, yeah. that's the funny thing about the wall. Yeah. You know, very early on, Trump was prototyping out these big concrete walls. And then ultimately, ICE was like, well, we need to be able to see through it. And he was like, oh. So we should do fencing. Yeah, but we'll do multiple layers and we'll reinforce these select areas. And he, he did the right thing. They're, yeah. they're, they, they yelled at the man because he wanted to build a wall. He ultimately said, okay, we won't do a wall. We'll do select bollard fencing, triple layers and, and key areas to reduce smuggling and trafficking. And now they're laughing, saying, ha ha, he never built the wall. Right. Well, you, were, you, you didn't want him to. Right. What are you mad about? Yes. They just exactly. wanna, it's, you know, it's funny because they always say that conservatives just want to own the libs. But of course, the libs just want to own the cons. It's, right. it's the same, it's same game. But you don't have to give up your your values. And I mean, maybe there's a few examples you could name that do fall in opposition I mean, to republicanism or conservatism. So this, this, this country, if you look at the actual philosophy of liberalism, it's, it's republicanism and it's liberalism together. They, they're complementary. Republicanism in the sense that we have elected leaders from various areas with, with you know, different jurisdictions. We are a constitutional republic. We use democratic a democratic election process for our representatives and the country is founded upon liberal ideals not liberal the way it's been construed today though i'm talking about classical liberalism sure so for me i guess it's fair to say the way we describe liberals in this country has been wrong for a really long time what the democrats used to be at least for a brief period was social liberals you have social liberals and classical liberals social liberal describes me very very well a center left I believe in in real social justice, which is like the Civil Rights Act. There, the, the left is trying to get rid of it. <laughs> so it, it it seems like per, there, I, I've noticed one thing: a lot of conservatives, you know, even Trump will say the liberals, the liberals, and I'm like, it's it's not like the, the people who believe in liberalism, like even even social liberal social liberalism, not classical liberalism, mostly agree with the conservatives. It's the leftists and the people who who are lying and, and stealing that name or. I mean, look, Antifa spray painted on the wall. Liberals get the bullet, too. Many of these people hate liberals. The progressives, they, they don't like liberals either. They make fun of liberals every day because center left is not far left enough for them. So what's really fascinating to me is conservatives will talk about liberals and, you know, slam liberals and all that stuff. And then on these Antifa forums, I love it when they make fun of me because they call me a liberal. They know I'm not a conservative. But these weirdo resistance types who are trying to push for Biden and the Democratic Party hate the fact that I am, and so they call me conservative. It's just not true. Antifa on the far left, they know I am, and they hate me for it. So I, I, I don't want to give up, you know, the real... I feel like you're having an identity crisis right here before our eyes. I, I feel like it's all happening. I, I, because I think that what they... I don't think that they hate that you're a liberal and they're not left enough for them i think that they hate that you are a conservative so i'm not now there. i have a question you for mean you, Brandon. one second but but are you saying uh -huh. that conservatism has changed no, well conservatism has become much more uh socially liberal 
Uh, I think that the biggest thing that issue that I would not be a conservative today if people were still uh, homophobic or if right. there was a lot of bigotry. And there are certain denials uh, on the right that bother me sometimes. I have people come up to me and they say, we were never homophobic. I'm like, give me, girl, give me a break. <laughs> come on. Uh, but the thing is, it's just not like that anymore. There are not that many people who care. The thing that they're not going to budge on, well, and that's not even true either. I was going to say abortion. Um, there are many conservatives now who will say, look, up until three months, I can live with it. But right. the Democrats, you know, life begins at kindergarten at this point. They're, you know, they're <laughs> like, know, right? you can abort up until, you know, right before preschool registration. Uh, and it, it, it's gone way, way, way too far. So it's here, just, this here, is common sense. Yeah. Here's the problem. I have a lot of, you know, generic wedge issue values that are aligned with social liberalism. Um, I do think there's a such thing as systemic racism. I think that the left will not tell you the truth. So we can't actually have real conversations about problems in this country and ways to solve them because they want socialism and they're manipulating our emotions around racism and identity to get what they want. Sure. So I actually do like social programs. I am pro-choice. There's a lot of things where I'm like, this is, you know, always where I've been. And I've thought really, really hard about these things. I didn't just make it up one day. The, the issue I take is if I just say, you know what, conservatives have become more encompassing and, you know, like the things you said about social liberalism and these, and these uh, are socially liberal in certain ways. Mm -hmm. What happens then is if someone like me just starts saying that, you know, like a person like me is conservative, then the wheel is turning in favor of the left. That means they are taking the reins and turning their fringe cultist ideology into mainstream when people like me give up where we've always been because I am not a conservative. You know, I take all these tests. I am center. I, I am left libertarian, pretty, pretty decently left libertarian. Um, I do have strong moral foundations across the board. So it's it's a, it's a very center left. I, I took the hidden tribes test. That one says I'm a traditional liberal. And I, I another test says I'm a uh, left leaning independent. If I just say, OK, fine, you know what? I give up. I will be on that side. Then the wheel rotates and the and the far left moves closer to mainstream center. And I refuse to let them take the middle of the Overton window. See that? Okay, that's very, very fascinating to me. So it, it sounds to me like for you, the battle, if we draw a line down the center, right? Here's everybody on the center and the right. You feel like the battle is here. Whereas I feel, first of all, I feel like I was pushed over here against my, I didn't even, against my own right. volition. Right. Um, but regardless, now that I am here, to me, the battle is here versus here it doesn't and maybe there is a microcosm uh, over here but i think there's a larger battle i mean we're talking about our, our our country and our culture and our you know it's it's heady big stuff and this is again why i think i didn't necessarily become a republican because i think republicans are so awesome and like this is the party i can't live without i became a republican uh as a defense i think against how far fringe the left is going. I think that if there's any hope of riding the ship, excuse the pun, uh, we have to vote red. We oh, I, have agree. To, I agree. We have to. That I agree on. Yeah. Um, the, thing, the things that bother me about Republicans, uh, it's, it's more administrati administrative and organizational than it is policy necessarily. I've seen with my own, here's an example. Uh, in, in not even two and a half years, I created a movement, uh, and there's literally hundreds of thousands of people who have joined this movement. Left, the, They've made testimonials. They've written stories. They've made videos. We have them. There's proof. 
I have never received a phone call from anyone in the RNC like <laughs> love what love what you're doing. How how can we connect on this? Like nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like I don't exist. And um, there's no there's no organizational power. Right now, the left would be like, that's because they hate you because you're gay. And it's like, no, no, no. no that's that's it has nothing to do with yeah. that. I think that they're completely out of touch with what's going on on the ground because it's not just me. That I agree with. There there is a, a number of incredible activists who are doing amazing work. I promise you, none of them will be featured on the RNC convention this coming week. Um, I probably won't either, and um, and and not that it's about the exterior because Republicans don't really care about the exterior, and I don't care about the exterior. But th- we have amazing black, brown, LGBT people who are doing incredible work. Like just over since really since Trump got elected, because Trump really created this earthquake that shook a lot of people awake, myself included. But it's like the Republican Party; they are they're not getting the gift that's being given to them right now of all of this, all, you know, all of these amazing activists and all of this, you know, excuse the term diversity that's kind of coming their way. I think that they just kind of have this idea that, Oh, well, let's just keep, you know, fall, you know, playing by the same playbook and hope for a different result. The left that's been taking over the democratic party are the organizers and the activists. Yeah. They know exactly what to do. They have strategies, they have plans, they have media manipul- manipulation strategies. I've, I know many of these people from, you know, back during Occupy Wall Street. Many of them aren't as active, but I know people who explain their propaganda, their strategies. There's one really obvious strategy. They, they will throw a rock at a cop, and then when the cop swings back, they press record. The, what do they publish? The cops swinging at people. Of course. That's just very, very obvious stuff. It works. Yes. Republicans don't know this game. And a lot of the people who came out for Trump who've never been involved in politics before don't know any of, of politicking and how these dirty games are played. So what ends up happening, and, and, and we've definitely talked about this on the show before, you've got these accounts run by leftists and they direct people to take action. So let's say, you know, you are seen in this video uh, on an airplane not wearing a mask. All of a sudden, these high profile accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers send a, a message out to everybody, send this email to American Airlines. AA gets inundated with 50,000 emails saying, ban this man from the flight. Right. And then they do. And then they do. Conservatives don't have those things. Right. Because a combination of not being hardcore activists, many new Trump supporters not being in the political world, and they're also individualists. Conservatives hate protesting. What a wonderful segue into Walkway's Rescue America Rally. Is one, of the, <laughs> one of them taking right, yeah, place. Yeah. No, no, but honestly, though, uh, you're absolutely right about that, which is part of the reason why we are doing these rallies right now, because a major adjustment that I had to make when I did leave the left and come over to the right was that very thing. It's very, very difficult to motivate people into action on the right. Now, yeah. there are a couple of factors at play, though, too, that we have to acknowledge and deal with. One, there are much more older more older people are conservatives than are liberals and young people (laughs) have nothing to live for they don't care you know it's like i'm 19 years old let's go bash windows and let's like burn stuff down who cares go to prison for a long time right people in their 30s 40s 50s 60s are kind of like i have some things to live for i kind of i don't want to (laughs) necessarily jump in and do all that stuff you know and there's that but there's also um they're 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 more meek they're 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 they have a harder time, I think, going out into the streets and standing up for themselves. And what conservatives tell me all the time, and I, I'm really making it a huge part of my messaging, particularly this year, to rally against, is they say, well, we don't really march, we don't really demonstrate, we don't really rally, but we vote. We vote. And yeah. I'm like, well, that's 
fantastic. Good. I'm glad that you're voting. But while you're voting, the left is taking over every aspect of our culture. Exactly. They're taking over academia. They're taking over entertainment. They're taking over the media. They're taking over social media. Every aspect of, uh, you know, and you're losing your voice. You've pretty much lost your voice. But every single day, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And what I've been telling people, and the reason why I think that we're having a good amount of success right now with these rallies that we're doing in different cities all around the country is I say, for those of you who don't understand the, the, the point of going to a march or going to a rally or demonstrating, think back less than three months ago. If somebody had told you, I'm going to run for office, am I banging? Oh, you're good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're probably banging, whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, if somebody had told you less than three months ago, I'm going to run for office. And my platform is going to, I think it's really good. I think you're really going to love this. My platform is going to be, I'm going to defund the police. <laughs> I don't want any police. I don't want them to have any money. I want to do, I want to do, let's just have social programs and no police. People would do what you just did. They would start laughing three, right. three months ago. Yep. Three months later, we quite literally have the the president, the, or, or, the presidential candidate and any number of Democrat candidates around the country running on a platform of defunding the police. People are defunding the police. Well, let's, let's, let's absolutely clarify this because they play dirty, dirty games. Uh-huh. Joe Biden was asked specifically, would you be in favor of reallocating funding from police, you know, to outside groups, whatever? And Joe said, yes, absolutely. Later on, he said something contrary. This is a game they play where they're for both at the same time. Yes. So they can claim it's not true what you just said, mm -hmm. but he was asked the direct question. The direct question. Yes. So th then they'll, they'll say defund means literally get rid of the police. Of course, Joe Biden doesn't want that. He just said to reallocate. Then the Brookings Institute says defund just means moving, reallocating some funds from the police to other programs. Quite literally what he was asked. They're not for anything. Correct. And Except trends, whatever happens exactly. to be trending. You know, we didn't used to have social media, so I think it was harder to gauge the trends back then. I think now they literally go on Twitter and they're like, what's our platform today? <laughs> oh, okay. Today we're, we're against uh, Chick-fil-A. Tomorrow we're going right. to be... What, what, what's some other... Uh, Papa John's, where he's gone. No more, no more pizza. Then they said the Pledge of Allegiance at the DNC. What is it? What is it racist now? No, is no, it? they literally said. Oh, they what? said. Oh, okay. I'm I like, thought... wait, how, how are you going to support all of these people calling for rewriting our history with the 1619 Project? They're, they're tearing down statues of George Washington, Jefferson, Hans Christian Hag, these heroes of the Civil War, Ulysses S. Grant. And then you're like, oh, but they should be allowed to do it. They're peaceful protesters. Now, let's say the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> it's 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 the uh, what, what's the. Uh, duplicitous but to the most absurd degree possible yes and this is i made a little note earlier when we were talking because this is a, another observation that has beca become crystal clear to me in the last year or two um being on the other side having this new vantage point is that democrats if you'll notice are allowed to evolve we can show you can show footage of hillary clinton Barack Obama, Joe Biden saying that they're against gay marriage, gay people shouldn't be allowed to, and you know, yep. and now when it trended past 50% of, of social acceptance, now they've evolved. Right. But, but Republicans are not allowed to evolve. If, uh, if a Republican ever did anything 20, 30 years ago, whatever, then that's the way it is and it's never going to change. And what I don't, just very quickly, what yeah. I don't understand is if you are a gay person or if you're, you know, I'm just saying that as a gay person, wouldn't you want the Republican Party to evolve? If you're so scared of homophobia and you're so scared of the Republican Party's hatred, you should want them to evolve, but they won't let them evolve. I mean, Republicans say all the time, we don't care about this stuff. We don't care. Yes, you do. You're a liar. You're just trying to. You know, no, 
they really don't care anymore at all. You ever, uh, have you ever watched American Dead? Yeah. So there's this really funny episode where it's like one of the early episodes where Stan finds out that I forgot the, na- the name of his neighbors. They're gay and they're Republicans. So he loves them. But then when he finds out they're gay, he freaks out. <laughs> but then he has a revelation. He runs to the RNC and he says, I realized something. These men didn't choose to be gay, but they did choose to be Republicans. Yeah. And that was one of the funniest things I heard. I was like, it's a really good point. It like, is a good point. Uh, I, I think you look at their groups like the log cabin Republicans back then when the, when the platform was considered to be anti-gay, yeah. even trying to be a part of a party that had platform positions against them allowed them to, you know, sw- swing the vote. It allowed them to, to, you know, share the, share certain values and become more socially liberal. Yes. So absolutely in order to make the political party change, you want to be involved. I think that's actually a good argument for many liberals to actually become officially Republicans because you will make the Republican Party more liberal exactly. in, in the true sense. Right. In the true sense. Yeah. And I don't think see. And, and, and that was part of, I guess, my point, too, is that Democrats, it seems uh, their platform is based off of whatever is trending at that moment, even if it's 100 percent contradictory to whatever they believed last year or three <laughs> months ago or, or whatever. Whereas I think the reason why. You know, Republicans uh, have kind of a PR problem is because they really they evolve on the things that I think do matter, like like society at large evolved on racism, society at large evolved on homophobia and things like that. But the core values that Republicans have don't change. You know, they don't they 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 they're about the the Constitution. They're about the the sovereignty of our nation. And, you know, and I don't even think that that many, especially under Trump, I don't think that that many conservatives are about pushing their religious uh, beliefs or or that's changed a lot. It's became very libertarian. Yeah, Yeah. I was actually afraid for a long time to criticize religion when I was speaking to Republican groups um, because, you know, I grew up a Catholic and went to Catholic school my whole life. So religion was very much a part of, you know, the doctrine with which I grew up and what I learned. Um, and, And that's actually what taught me to be very much against religion, which I still am. But. So I I have no problem. I love that people have faith, even if it's a faith I don't believe in. I think faith is a beautiful thing in and of itself, you know, but it's when you start grouping with other people and beating other people with your faith. I think it becomes a a big problem. Like what the left is doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the cult of intersectionality. Yes. Getting people fired from their jobs, demanding they bow, putting now it's and you can see the signs when they send emails with pronouns and stuff. I understand you want to respect, but that is a sign that you are a part of this cult and it's growing beyond just what a cult is. I mean, I guess it's not a cult because there's no, you know, dear leader. Yeah. But then what is it? A religion? A faith? It's a theistic religion. Yes, it is. It's it. Yeah, it's a it's it's a cultish religious. I mean, when I was I mean it's it, we're already living in the twilight zone enough with the masks and then every store that you walk into due to covid blah, blah, you know it's like they're making these announcements constantly and you're just like my god twilight zone twilight zone but when I was I don't watch sports I couldn't care less but I was in a <laughs> restaurant I was in a restaurant waiting for my table and they had a basketball game on and I saw black lives matter painted on the basketball court and I was like this is literally like a twilight zone like yeah. we're living in a really scary and it's every black lives matter, black lives matter, black lives matter, black. I mean, pretty soon, like everything is, you know, brought to you by black lives matter. It, I mean, yeah, you, there, there was a, uh, I can't remember who tweeted this. They said their kid turned on their Xbox 
and a message popped up saying, do you support, like, you must support Black Lives Matter. Like, here's a note about what it means. Like, press X to accept. Yes. And a bunch of movies and outlets. After the George Floyd incident, uh, Civics shows this massive poll. Uh, support for Black Lives Matter skyrocketed. And something really interesting happened over the next few months. With the riots not being stopped, with Democratic politicians supporting them, opposition started to skyrocket. So right now, I think it's like 37% opposition for Black Lives Matter and 49% support. Really? But this is, a, so it used to be a year ago, there was more opposition than support. And then over the past year, Black Lives Matter support started to go up, opposition went down. Then with George Floyd, a major drop in opposition, a major increase in support. But then with the riots, it slowly started switching back. Yeah. And that's why I think they, you know, uh, they, they, they tried to blame Trump for all the violence, but it, it was helping him. Trump sending in the feds to defend the, uh, the courthouse in Portland. People want law and order. Right. We have, we have a Rasmussen poll showing 50% of people want the police to crack down on the riots. All of a sudden, now they're doing the pledge. Joe Biden comes out and says, oh, these people should be found and arrested. Too little, too late. Yes. I mean, what's Joe Biden's trying to steal Trump's platform now? Build back better. China bad. Right. Well, yeah. it, you know, and we're, we're living in this bizarre time where uh, on a daily basis, uh, we're seeing violence like I never dreamed we, I would ever see taking place in the streets of this country. And it's not a random incident. This is happening every single day now. Yet... The left is hanging on to this narrative of, you know, white supremacy and the violence of the right. I just posted on Twitter the other day, thank God for those guys back in 2016, 2017 that were holding those torches. Because if it wasn't for those like 16 guys, the left would have nothing to hang on to. We're, we're sarcastically. Still, sar <laughs> sarcastically. <laughs> They're going to clip that one. <laughs> no, no. Sarcastically. I, I'm saying thank God for the left that they have that. Right. Because literally we still have to look at those images from like 2016 of those like 12 guys with torches and they're like oh the violence of the right i'm like i can't even open my twitter for five seconds without watching somebody being having the hell beaten out of them or somebody's you know and they act like it's not even happening i love how they play this false narrative where it's like you know uh far-right extremists have been responsible for you know 436 deaths in the past 10 years and antifa is responsible for zero I love I love how they just arbitrarily pick groups and then act like this is the metric by which they're good or bad. So mine is Antifa is responsible for 7,336 violent assaults and Tim Pool is responsible for zero. <laughs> so you're perfect. Yes. It's it's like, look, you can pick any group and any metric and, and Greenpeace is responsible for zero. It's like, right. well, Greenpeace does nonviolent civil, dis civil disobedience, but... I can compare any group I want to any group and then choose a random metric to make something sound good. Absolutely. Just because there's extremists who kill people doesn't mean Antifa is good. The rioting from Black Lives Matter over the past several months killed 30 people. And they act like it's not happening. And Joe Biden gets up. You see what he did at the DNC? He's very clever. Because they're starting to figure out it's bad for them when they lie about the very fine people hoax, he played a semantic game. He said, I want you to remember all those people marching in Charlottesville with the torches and the, the look in their face. And I want you to remember what Donald Trump said. They were very fine people on both sides. Mm -hmm. He skips over a bunch of key context. Of course. So here's one moment. And here's Trump saying some words. Right. I want you to, I want you to remember. I want, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about what those people looked like and what they were doing. And now I want you to remember what Donald Trump said when he tried chocolate ice cream for the first time. He said, this is great. You see, like, it's a totally random, it's, it's like out of context, it has nothing to do with anything. Right. Yes. Trump said that the Nazis should be condemned totally. Yes. 
And he said there were some people that just didn't want to see the statue come down. Right. Regular people. Yes. He also said there were troublemakers on the other side and some good people, too. Yes. So I tweeted this earlier. I'm like, if the very fine people hoax were real, Trump was saying Antifa was good people. Right. How come the media doesn't say that? It's an excellent point. It's only the right wing, even it's though he, he arguably said both. He said both sides. Right. Trump supported Antifa. Right. Imagine if that was the narrative. No, they can't use that, though. Why is it that when a handful of legitimate, you know, white supremacists, whatever, go out into public and do something, which, again, is incredibly rare. Haven't you, We rarely hear about this actually happening. It's just that they're really small. There's not a lot of them. There's not a lot of them. Yeah, yeah well, th- but doesn't that kind of fly in the face of the white supremacy takeover narrative of the left? Do you know what Vox, uh, Vox wrote? Something, they write a lot of stuff. Something but. like, <laughs> it was like, you know, 20 million Americans hold alt-right views or some ridiculous... It's like, dude... I think it was Ricky Gervais, I'm not sure who said, it's okay to have things in common with really bad people, mm. just not the really bad things. Right. He's like, he, he said something really funny, like, I enjoy, uh, uh, he, says, he said, I'm an atheist, and I, actually, no, I don't know if that's true, but he said something like, I enjoy vanilla ice cream and petting my dog, just like Hitler. Right. Like, that's the joke. Yeah. It's like, th- those things are, look, you know who else drank water? Hitler did. Oh. If we're talking about the KKK, the, uh, you know, in, in the 1920s, the KKK's membership peaked at about 4 million members in the, wow. K, in, in the KKK. And at that time, the population of America, I may screw this up, was either 140 million or about 180 million. Let's, say, let's split the difference. 160 million, something like that. So 4, 4 million out of you know, 140, 160 million people were in the KKK. Today, the population of the United States is 328 uh, million people. And there's about 5,000 people yeah. in the KKK. 5,000. So I, I did, I've, I've looked over the numbers from like the ADL. If you want to be, be kind to that number and expand it to include peripheral white supremacy groups, the total number I think is like 12,000. Oh. 12,000 people in a country of hundreds of millions. Right. Now, to be fair, I don't think Antifa is particularly large either. I'd estimate, I, I'd probably, I'd say their numbers are probably comparable. However... Is the media defending and protecting Antifa when they go out and they beat people? Yes. And is Black Lives Matter a major national organization with a top-down structure that receives massive donations through Act Blue and that has people marching through streets for 85 days in Portland screaming Black Lives Matter, smashing things, and when looters romp through Chicago, you know, a week or two ago, smashing up stores, shooting into windows, trying to rob Gucci, and then Black Lives Matter literally came out the next day saying, looting is reparations and we want these people freed. There's a big difference between what Black Lives Matter has been doing with 30 dead throughout the riots and the white supremacist groups that are that are fractured, that aren't really, you know, organizing anything substantial. You see, here, here, here's what I try to explain to people. The far right or whatever that's supposed to mean, I don't think it means anything. It's just <laughs> what, what the media says, because yes. if you go to the ADL's website, they give you like four definitions of far right, anti-government, white supremacist. That doesn't make sense. But whatever these extremists are. There's a small, there's a, they're, they're, they're few and far between, they're extremely unwell, they're violent, and they commit extreme acts that capture the news cycle for, for a week plus. Antifa goes out and does low-tier terror, where they beat people and shake them down, threaten them, smash windows. Look, if you went outside and some dude in a hoodie punched you in the face, it's not going to make CNN. But because they do this every day, dozens of times throughout the country, it's extremely, it, it's extreme pressure put on regular people and businesses, they know it exists, but the media never covers it because it never crosses the line. Recently, there was a dude in Portland 
you may have seen the video, he kicked that guy in the face. Yes. That crossed the line. Yes. All of a sudden, it started to bubble up in the conversation. And what happened? Black Lives Matter, I think it was Black Lives Matter, denounced it, saying it was, it was discrediting their message. Interesting. But they try to avoid crossing the line, but still doing enough damage to make sure you fall in line. Right. In, Louis, in Louisville, they, they're, they're going to downtown businesses and demanding that they pay to their approved groups. And when I, I, this, this, is, this is legit. When they went to one guy, a Cuban guy, Cuban immigrant, and said, pay up or else, he said, or else what? And they smashed a flower pot. Like, they're, they're literally... Mafia. I mean, that's, what like that's what he said. That's what he said. Yeah. And so this, 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 all of this stuff... You're watching the Tim Pool's show brought to you by Black Lives Matter. <laughs> no, you but much. you're watching the Boston Red Sox. You're watching the NBA. You're watching the MLB. I'm not, I don't want to watch that stuff, man. Right. You know, it's, it's crazy to me. The, the Gillette commercial... You saw that, you know, toxic masculinity? Yes. I was talking about how I just want an ad that tells me what you're selling. Right. And then I was skating outside the other day, and, a, and it was like a Harry's commercial, and it was like, hi, this is Harry's. We sell razors. They cost $2. You can order them online. They have three blades. And I'm like, that's great. I'm gonna go buy that's all I wanted to know. Thank you. I'll go buy it. Well, you know, the left has this way of creating the atmosphere that they say they're, they're afraid of or that they're, they're working against. I mean, I actually believe that they've created a lot of racists just this year based off of the activity they've engaged in. But they're also terribly afraid of going back in time. They're afraid of that for racial minorities. They're afraid of that for women. They're afraid of that for gays. They're for, you know, us living in, a, in another era and what you just said it actually you know we may maybe our culture will get pushed into this almost like television commercials from the 1950s yeah. when it really yep. was like that before like you know buy buy cigarettes they're delicious and they they're good for your health you know i mean yeah. but it just tells like, you what the product is right raisin bran it's bran and raisins <laughs> right. pour milk on it right. eat it for breakfast yeah I mean, I love it. I think those Me are too. those are very like male centric commercials. Guys yeah. are just like no BS. Just tell me what it is. But they've tried to manipulate and catch people. And so I think ads just used to be they didn't know how to do it. Now they've figured out you can have like a chinchilla screech in your face. <laughs> and Quiznos will sell sub sandwiches or something, and it, and it worked. So you know but it's true. I mean, people are sick and tired of watching TV, watching commercials, and having to question their morality. And am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Am I am I supposed to be trans? I, you know, it's I just want to buy milk. Do I have to question my gender? Like I, <laughs> I just want milk. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's coming to the point where it's it's religion. It's yeah. like turning on the TV and saying like, "Have you confessed your sins today?" Right. The the, the, the toxic masculinity ad. It's the you know you know. A lot of people talk about you. I'm sure you've heard of Get What Go Broke. Yes. I think there's a lot of circumstances where it's actually Get Broke, Try Woke, mm. where these companies are failing because they're obsolete or because their marketing strategy was bad. And they're like, let's try wokeness. Yes. A lot of celebrities are doing that. Right. P uh, celebrities on the brink of, of irrelevance are now, you know, out with the Black Lives Matter signs and you know, taking their selfies, taking their selfies at, for Instagram at, at the marches and stuff. And it's also... Um, but there's also kind of like the sad kind of element of it where, you know, I've been talking about this a lot, too. A lot of these people, when you're walking down the street, you feel like this Black Lives Matter movement is so popular and well accepted. It's a sign here, a sign here, a sign here. But the sign has really become a virtue signal, I think, saying, please don't smash my windows. Exactly. You know, and so I yep. think that there are a lot less people who support the cause than we think, but they're just afraid of getting looted. It's true. I think so. As, I, uh, have you ever been to the Bay Area? Unfortunately, I and have. They, they, you go, you, times, you yeah. go to Berkeley, you go to Oakland, you see the signs all over the windows. Yes, that's horrifying. Yeah, but they probably believe in it. Um, you don't think? I don't think so. No. In I, Berkeley, in Berkeley, there are a lot of stores that do. But there, I, I went to a bar, and they told me straight up the anti-Trump poster they had was just so that no one sma smashed their windows, and they did not agree with it. 
Wow. And we were having a candid conversation. So I think, sure, you, you're in Berkeley down the street, you know, by the university, you're going to find a bunch of businesses that do believe it. Some of these bookstores are like straight up anarchist bookstores. But there are a lot of businesses that you're like, it's run by, you know, Chinese immigrants that don't engage in American politics. And I'm like, I'm not sure they care all that much. They're just saying, leave us alone. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if they care even if, you know, like for, for us opposing it either. They're just like, whatever, who cares? Put the sign up. <laughs> I, I don't know why this popped into my mind, but when I was doing a rally in uh, Michigan, I think a big group of Black Lives Matter protesters came and uh, they were about 50% white. Um, yeah, as, as they tend, which is, is actually a pretty low ratio. It's usually a lot more than that. Um, but there was a black. Well, there were several black people on in my group, and so this black man went over to one of these white guys holding his Black Lives Matter sign, and, and the white guy's shouting at him, you know, because he's <laughs> he's got a Trump hat on, you know, right, he's right. got like his MAGA gear, and the white guy's like, "What are you doing, bruh? What are you doing, bruh?" You know, and the and finally the white guy says. He's like, <laughs> this is just so classic. I wish I had this on film. I, in fact, I might actually. But he's there with his sign and he goes, I'm doing this for you, bruh. I'm doing this for you, bruh. And the guy's like, I, you can go home. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Make America great again. I'm good. These, the, the, these activists, in my opinion, are white supremacists. Yeah. They, they think that they've invented everything. I mean, we've talked about several times. Robin D'Angelo from White Fragility, you know, the author. Yes. She says she's a racist. In the book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why are we taking our cues from these people? It's Yeah, the whole – I haven't read the book, uh, but I've read a lot. Of, we have a mutual friend, Carlin, and she kind of broke right. broke the book down uh, <laughs> in chapters on Twitter and was posting them. And it's there's so many anecdotes in that book where I was kind of shocked at the things that the woman says and reveals, you know, just like – when I walk into a room and I see black people, I become very uncomfortable. I, I, I clutch my purse. I want to, you know, and I'm like, She's so that's right. not a normal reaction. That's a, right. Why would anyone take advice from someone who's an avowed racist? <laughs> right. Who would say something like that? It's like, dude, listen, you're the one who needs a, a talking to, not me. Correct. I, I look, I, I, I grew up second generation mixed race, friends of all different races. And I didn't experience any of this until I went to Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. Where they literally segregated everybody. Yeah. Like this is, you know, this race here, Asians go here, the black people go here, the Mexicans go there. And I was angry. I was like, this is the, this is the most like disgusting thing I've ever seen. Right. I couldn't imagine this happening in my neighborhood. You get beat up if you tried doing something like that. Yeah. We're all friends with each other. Yeah. I, you know, I'm actually, I would say on the opposite end of the spectrum, I love any opportunity when I'm like the only white person in the room, especially if I'm giving an address or something like that. It's one of my favorite things in the world when I'm addressing an audience and it's a racial minority uh, majority or, you know, something like that. Because for me, it's a challenge that I want to end that night knowing that I thoroughly won over and charmed everyone in that room based off of what I had. to. I'd like, yeah. there's nothing scary about it for me. I love it. Like, I love it because I'm like, I, by the time I'm done, I am going to be the most popular white boy <laughs> in the whole. They are going to love me. Um, so, it, yeah, it doesn't even occur to me to be like, oh, my God, there's black people in the room. I got to run. I got to run. But it's not my thing. For her, it is. For and her, all, it is. For all, for all these activists, I have to wonder, you know, uh, are you familiar with Reset the Clock, the meme? Mm -mm. It's about male feminists being rapists, like for some reason. <laughs> you and, just said a lot of funny words in one Right, thing. right, okay, right. Sorry, go ahead. So, so, so the <laughs> gag is kind of like, it's like, oh, we got another one. Reset the Clock. You know, like days since we've had a male feminist exposed. And what something, somebody wrote this was really fascinating. They said the reason why feminists are so, you know, like, you know, feminist is because 
The reason why they think all men are bad is because they're surrounded by male feminists. Mm. They're not hanging out with us. Right. You know, the, the, the feminists, we hang out with regular people. There's right. like feminists are like a fringe. But w- when you have this very small group of people that have these extremist ideologies, granted, they're gaining a lot of traction in, in mainstream stuff. When they're only surrounded by abusive men who are pretending to care about their cause to try and sleep with them, they're going to say all men are bad because the only men they can see are bad. Well, I think that's a reinforcement. But don't you think... My opinion is that everybody has problems. We all have struggles, but only certain of us get told that those problems and struggles are because of the color of our skin, our sexual orientation, or our gender. So we all worry sometimes about how we're going to pay our bills or uh, how am I going to get a job or um, am I I good looking enough? Am I whatever enough? Whatever. But if people are telling you, well... the reason why you feel like you're not good looking enough is because you're black or the reason why you don't have enough money is because you're black or the reason why you're worried about this is because you're gay. It's the same problems that we all have, but people are being told it's different because of them. They don't want you to solve your problems. Well, sure. They want to be the solution. That's how they control you. Exactly. Yes. If you were to tell somebody you are powerful, no one can hold you back, stand defiant, and you can do anything. Right. Then you can't control them. Correct. They know what, what, what they can do. For me, I think it's, it's a big difference between why it's the Democrats and the Republicans. Republicans, personal responsibility, individualism. The Democrats, collective responsibility. You're responsible for your ancestors if we don't like you, but others aren't. And, you know, we're going to act for the collective's best interests. Don't defy us. What's your view on privilege? Uh, in, in what capacity? Do you think it exists in any forms or do you think? Well, yeah, of well, course. Yeah, right. Sorry, that was, that was silly. No, I mean, I, uh, what forms do you think it exists in and how relevant are the forms? So I think the what the left doesn't understand is is when you, when you take someone who's not very smart, and I mean this without, not, not, not to be dis- disrespectful, they can't analyze root causes. They can only see the surface. So they have to wonder why it is that, say, a white person tends to have certain privileges. Mm -hmm. And so they say, ah, it must be because he looks that way, right? That's a racist approach. Racists can't see past skin color. Right. But if you actually do a deep analysis, there is majority privilege. Humans have a tendency to feel safer around people who look similar to them. And I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about literally everything. It's why you'll see a man and a woman holding hands, walking down the street, wearing like very similar clothes and the same. You know what I mean? You've seen that before, right? Yeah. They, that, uh, they, they did a study and found that they showed a bunch of pictures to people and asked them to write the most attractive. And one of them was their own face that was like, like detexturized a little bit. They viewed themselves as more attractive, the more familiar it is to them. And that's just, you know, uh, I think it was Brett Weinstein who talks about this as that's why we must strive to make sure we overcome our inherent biases and things like this. So I do believe there's privileges, but I believe the better way to put it is majority privilege. If you were to, I, I've been in a bunch of countries where y- you would not have privilege. You would, I, I mean, look, go to Asia. I, I tell you, I tell you this, man. Um, so I, I am uh, part Korean, and this is this, I, this is one of the reasons why I absolutely detest the intersectional left because it's you know, you, when, if you're mixed or if you're Asian, you're Schrodinger's, or, you know, people, person of color, whatever. They, they don't know how to deal with you. But South Korea, Korea in general, they're very racist. They're extremely racist. I'm, uh, I don't know about all everything having to do with Japan, but I'm pretty sure that you can't function in Japan. Like you would struggle to get a job. You would struggle. I don't think you can even open a bank account as a mm. white person. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because these are these are ethno-national countries. They're right. they're very isolated. And even outside of this, go to Sweden. I interviewed someone in Sweden who said uh, it was an American woman. She married a Swedish man. She spoke fluent Swedish with an accent. 
she couldn't get a job because they knew she wasn't Swedish. It's just about, are you a part of the majority? Otherwise, people have a bias against you. I think that exists. So look, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, issues that come up where I'm like, I'm center left, especially on like some, some social issues. But what I think the left is doing right now, the leftists, is they're not offering up real solutions to the problems so they get it, so they can control you, so they can take your resources, so you will be their foot soldier or their minion. If they actually told you the solution to many of these problems may have something to do with some social programs, but ultimately your responsibility, right. you're letting people go. You're saying, let me teach you how to start a fire. So I look at it this way. If I said, I am going to start a program where we teach people how to fish, that's a social program, mm-hmm. but you're letting people go. Yes. What they do is they say, we're going to start a program where we have people fish and then we make the people come in here and do what we want and we will maybe give them one. Right. It's a big, big difference. Yes. So for me, I think it's probably a really good way to explain how I, you know, I feel like I'm center left. I think if the government was like, we're going to teach you how to fish and then you're on your own and you can do this on your own, that's a social program that makes sense. Agreed. Especially with restrictions so that, you know, the, the way I often put it is you can't just create a program and expect it to run forever. It has to have an end date, an expiration, and then you reassess and try other things if they're not working and update and renew. Instead, we don't do that. We just keep doing the same thing over and over again regardless. The welfare system never changes. It just gets worse and more money piled into it. But I, I think there's room for that. That's more of a you know, center-left position. So anyway, yeah. So when, when it comes to privilege, um, people have privileges. I do believe that men have some privileges. Women have some privileges too. You want to have an argument about who has more? I don't think you'll ever solve that argument. I don't think anyone will ever be able to actually win as to who has it better, a man or a woman. Men will argue, oh, they've been expendable for all, all throughout history. And they're, you know, young men have very little societal value with no skills, no reproductive value. And young women have tremendous value to society because they're attractive and they can, you know, have kids and stuff. You can argue those things are offensive and wrong. That's fine. The point is, you're going to have an argument all day and night about who is more privileged and you'll never win. I think ultimately you're going to be dealt a hand of cards and some people might get a really crappy hand, but I truly believe you can figure it out. I agree. If, if you believe in yourself, some people need help. I did. I had, I, I had, uh, I lost my job at one point. I went on unemployment for, for, for quite a long time and it allowed me to survive. And I was, I, I had no idea what to do at this point. It was during, you know, around the, the, the time of the financial crisis. And I was, you know, I was really young and it was, it was, it was crap money. It was a couple hundred bucks a month, but it kept me off the street. And then eventually I figured something out. I got a job. I started working at nonprofits and I was like, that was awesome. But if you get people dependent on it, that's what I think the left is going for right now. Right. You can't solve your problems because you can never change the color of your skin. Therefore, join my group and enact my laws. It's a Trojan horse so they can get things like socialism and, you know, just. Well, and, you know, unemployment is an insurance that we pay into right. as well. I mean, you know, and I think that it does absolutely save and help a lot of people for and it's temporary you know it's right it goes as long as it goes but it's yeah i mean when you're talking about taking able-bodied healthy capable people and putting them on a a cycle of welfare and food stamps and all of these different things and then basically you know it becomes not an addiction but i mean it just becomes a way of life i think for a lot of people and then you start to they they they're how, why would you be motivated to do anything right. else? You just sort of get settled into your circumstance. I, I think these programs can work, but they need a cultural component we don't have anymore. Like you said, right. it becomes a way of life. I yeah. know people like this. I lived in Seattle, and there were people who were like, here's the food banks you hit on which day. So they like they had a chart where like Monday is this neighborhood, Tuesday is this neighborhood. They, they created a system 
to go and get free stuff. And yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go get a job because mm-hmm. I'm bored. I want to do something and I want to choose for myself what I eat, not go to a food bank and just be like, give me that last can of beans. But for them, it was like, but it's so much easier to just get the last can of beans. Right. I was like, you look, you do your thing. But because they never, you know, the, the requirements for these food banks was walk on in. People had no incentive to do anything. They were, they, they were, they were given and they built a life around it. I have a friend, uh, he, well, he's not really a friend anymore. Again, one of the 90% gone. <laughs> but um, he, he's been on social programs for years and years. And it, it's so interesting because the way that they keep him on it, he's required to like go to certain doctor's appointments on a regular basis to continue to validate his condition, which keeps him on. So, I mean, it's like it's a regular cycle that he has to go see a certain number of doctors every week, and he, which, of course, they pay for. But it's... There's not even time to do any, and I, I've told him, I, I haven't talked to him in years, but I was like, wouldn't it be easier to just get a job? You right. know, I mean, you have to leave and go sit in these appointments and get these doctors <laughs> to do all this stuff. It's like, just go work, dude. Right. Like, you know? I think a lot of people don't know how, and I think it's the fault of, of, our, of our culture. I think schools do a terrible job. I was lucky enough to have an entrepreneurial family that instilled values in me for hard work and you know building things on your own. But a lot of people don't know where to even start. So I, I get messages from people all the time saying, I really would love to do my own business. I don't even know how to start doing that. And I'm like, I'll tell you what I did. I just went off and started doing stuff. Yeah. That's literally, I, I, got, in a, I got in a bus, went to New York during Occupy Wall Street. I had a backpack, I slept outside. And then I just, from there, you know, I, I, I worked at a nonprofit. I saved up some money. I bought a smartphone. I had a smartphone. Then I, you know, so, so what I do tell people is here's what you do. Figure out what you want to do. Find a job. Save money from that job. And then use that money you save to start funding your, ex, your, 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 learning, like your, your learning period and your development period for your passion. Right. And then try and figure it out. And be, Not everybody can. And be willing to accept that you're going to fail probably many times along the way. I, uh, I... I I failed many, many, many times in my life, many times before I ended up in this position that I'm in now. And I, I certainly had never created a movement against the democratic (laughs) party before I didn't have a lot of experience, you know, but I, after failing at many different things in my life, and I had no idea that walkway was going to become what I mean, it started as a Facebook group, but, um, when it really resonated with people and became really successful, I, I thought, you know, there's something much larger here than just a testimonial campaign on Facebook. I think that this is something that's needed by the public at large. And so we created an organization walkway foundation and, um, started doing events and, some of the things we do hit, some of them don't hit. We learn from that and we move on. And that's kind of how life is. You just, you know. I think it's funny. Uh, when I first saw your viral video for Walk Away, there were a lot of people, I, when it got really big, they were saying that it was existing Trump supporters pretending they left the Democratic Party. It was astroturfed and stuff like that. Russian bots. Russian bots. And I was just like, but I actually know a lot of people, yeah. like a ton of people, like uh, uh, Jack Murphy. He wrote a book, Democrats Deplorable. Nine million people who voted for Obama voted for Trump. Yeah. And is there stories of the inverse? Did you, I don't know if you heard about this, but the DNC featured a man who claimed he was a lifelong Republican who is now, you know, who, who's now going to vote Democrat. And they tracked down his information. Turns out he's a registered Democrat. He, 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 he's, not, he's not a Republican. Do you know his name? His name was Michael or something. Mm. And they were like, this guy donated, at, donated to and for like the, the last five elections voted for a Democrat or whatever. Well, I don't know if you saw, I think it was on the first night of the convention, uh, the Democrat convention. 
they did this like walkaway ripoff. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm talking the about. Reverse, right? And it was a compilation, <laughs> and everyone was like 67 and white, and they were like, "I'm walking away from the Republican Party." And I was like, "This is the word." Like, do you honestly think this is going to damage what I'm doing? This is like a joke. I mean, we actually have like young, hip black people, gay people, white people, like you know, and then they just put up all everything that they claim that we are. They're right. like, like, look at all the people leaving the Republican Party. It's not true. You know, look, man, we're having fun. We, we, we laughed a whole lot on this show. And you, you, you see that somewhat with, with the left. But, man, it is hard to tell a joke on the left. Mm-hmm. The, the comedians get canceled. Shows are getting canceled. Family Guy announced they can't do gay jokes anymore. I'm like, they oh, did? yeah, they did. Uh. They, they're like, we're not going to do that. Well, they're still doing Jewish jokes. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing. It's like, dude, they're jokes. We, we like if, if you've got a weak society that can't understand what a joke is. Why is that our fault? Why is it everyone right. else's fault? It's a ridiculous. It's a ridiculous notion that we must, or that we possibly could, prevent all offense. It's bad enough that it exists in general, but when it happens, even within the community itself, like I found it so disturbing when RuPaul announced that she was no longer going to use the term "shemale." Uh, on her show because there was a segment I don't know if you watch Drag Race no I don't you do well you're missing out uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a good show but there was a, there was a segment at the beginning of every episode where uh, it, you know she was doing a play on email and they would they would say you've got she mail and apparently <laughs> trans activists not actual transgender people right but, right but, you right, know right. like non-binary gender fluid angry leftists like came down and so now a drag queen can't say shemale anymore on a show about trans people and drag queens. Do you, you hear about what happened in the UK where a woman posted rap lyrics to her Instagram? And no. I, I'm pretty sure she was black and the N-word was in the lyrics. She got arrested for it. Wow. That's, I hope we don't end up like the UK. Well, you know, one of my LGBT town halls last year, well, <laughs> four out of five were actually uh, canceled by the venue. We did find a new venue. We pressed on. It happened. But we filed a lawsuit against the venue in New York City for canceling us uh, just days before the event because not only did they cancel us, but they canceled us because of leftist um you know, activists coming in and harassing the venue, but the leftists actually created a dossier on. So my panel was me, Mikey Harlow, and Blair White, and they went through all of our social media and found these, you know, the, the evidence that were white supremacists and anti-gay and all of this stuff. Which, it, for anybody in your audience who cares, all of our LGBT, all walkaway town halls are available for people to watch for free on YouTube, so you can see the content that actually exists that they were trying to prevent from us. Get it's. Very tame. It's very productive. It's very positive, very uplifting in many ways. But anyway, we filed a lawsuit against the LGBT Center of New York City, who are the ones who canceled us. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, the judge in New York City threw out the case. And when she threw out the case, what she cited was that upon uh, researching me and Blair and Mikey, whatever, she agreed that we were, and this is a quote-unquote engaging in anti-queer slurs and therefore we were dangerous to our community and basically that we had it coming now queer is a slur i mean it is a word that people like myself there's nobody on on the center or on the right who wants to be called queer the only people who are pushing for this word are lgbt radical activists it's a disgusting word i don't want to be called queer but the judge said a straight woman said that a two gay men and a transgender woman were anti-queer and therefore 
we our case was thrown out uh, of court. I think you got to uh, you should file a human rights complaint. That's when, a good idea. When did this happen? Oh, just weeks ago. That's a human rights violation. If uh, she actually used that word, she did, and she was straight. She did. Yeah, that's a, uh, that. I don't know how that works with the government, but when it comes to, uh, I believe, general public accom- public accommodation in New York City, it's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine for a willful violation. Well, perhaps I'll look into that angle of the case. But you know, it's, I, I, I'm very curious to know what this judge would have to say uh, about black people using the N word. And, you know, if, the, right. if she would throw a case out, if uh, if a black person used the N word at, at a public but event, you did you use the word or she was she was the one who used the word? No. But if, if her point is that we are engaging in anti queer slurs to right. the queer community, which we are a part of, um, I would consider the N word to be a slur. And I hear a lot of black people using it. So I wonder right. if their cases would be thrown out of court if that ever yeah. happened. No, we weren't. But I, th- I, th- I think you, you might actually have a, a she used a slur. It is. Yeah. I mean, Stephen Crowder got demonetized You're he, right. He, because he said that word and he didn't say it in the context where he was trying to be hurtful. He just said it. Yeah. Well, he said it about somebody who was gay. Right. Uh, somebody who, who describes themselves in many of those ways. Crowder and he probably gay. describes himself as queer, that person. Right. So actually, in reference to Crowder, the things he was saying about, I'm not going to say that guy's name, the guy from Vox. I don't want to give him the attention. I know his name, but I can't think of it. I'd say it, but I, I, I can't think of it. No, I just, I just, I, I, for one, I don't, I don't want to start a brigade, but most right, people right, right. probably know who he is. But the point is, he did a segment where he called himself all of these names, and Crowder was responding, saying, well, okay, Mr., you know, and then would right. say a word. And they, they accused, they, they claimed that he was targeting him. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, when it, when it comes to New York, I think, I've looked at all, of, I lo- I've, I've looked over these laws before, I've actually done a, a couple of segments on them, and I've talked to some lawyers. Sounds like they violated your human rights. By using that using that word against you, and then arguing that you were in violation of it. Imagine if the, if that uh, if that judge said to you know Candace Owens, "You're engaging in you know anti N word you know behavior." Sure. That that would be a, that would be a, ma- a major you know controversy and everything. Right. Yeah. 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 It definitely would be. Um, and you know the thing is too. To me, the biggest you know tragedy of the whole thing is that so many. As these, you know, when they do this, they don't just, you know, cancel your event. It becomes a story. And then those stories are used to cancel you in the future. Right. When you try to do another event in another city and they Google you and then they're like, oh, you have a history of going around the country with your anti-queer, uh, <laughs> your, yeah, your exactly. anti-queer show, you know. And, um, and the truth is that I really would love for ev- certainly every LGBT person, but even people who aren't. Watch what we've done with Walk Away. You know, we've done black town halls. We've done Hispanic town halls. We've done uh, LGBT town halls. They're, like I said, you can watch them on YouTube. But this is about providing more freedom, more opportunity, more choice to people. We don't – look, if you, do, if, if you don't want to walk away from the left, don't. I can't make you do it. But just be willing to listen to the reasons why I think that we're being manipulated, we're being used, we're being targeted, uh, we're being lied to, we're being brainwashed in, in many respects. And if you agree with me, then just consider like maybe making some cho- some uh, some uh, different choices in your life. But I mean, wh- like, why are we preventing people from hearing words? Right, exactly. No one has to go. I'm not going in anyone's house and putting a gun to their head. I'm throwing an event that they're free to come to of their but own volition. That's that's the problem. You're teaching people. You're breaking them out. They're telling you you can't solve your own problems, and you're saying the inverse. You're saying the opposite. You right. can. You can. Go out there and do your own thing. Don't listen to them. Just right. find your own truth. That's bad for them. Right. You, they don't want to lose cult members. And it kind of goes back to the point I was making earlier about, you know, can Republicans evolve? Why can't Republicans evolve if Democrats are allowed to evolve? I mean, 
the people on the left would say that, well, we're the ones who believe in, you know, freedom and opportunity and all this stuff. And we're the ones protecting minority communities. Well, if you really believe in freedom and opportunity, then you have to be willing to let these minority communities go because you don't own them. You can't clutch them. You can't grab them and imprison them. If you believe that they have choice and freedom, you have to be willing to let them go to the Republican Party or anywhere else that they want to go. You can't just hold them. And that's what we're trying to do. But, you know, it's ultimately about the individuals in those communities. I, you know, uh, there's a lot of polls that have come out showing Trump having record approval from the black community. And I think that's terrifying the Democrats because you had Emerson, which is considered to be one of the most one of the most credible polls saying that Trump's approval was 30 percent. Now, many polls are saying it's like eight or 12, but Trump had like three or four polls Mm -hmm. showing him at around 30 or so percent. Rasmussen, they've consistently shown over the past several months that Trump's approval rating from likely voters in the black community is like 30 to 40%. Like, it's just insane numbers. But we have to wait and see. Because, you know, they were saying that in 2018, too, and the midterm elections did not show that at all. Right. So... Um, I'm not, I don't hang my, my, my hat on any polls, you know, whatsoever, but particularly, I mean, cause that's, that really affects, I think, um, I, I mean, it, it speaks to my effectiveness to walk away in what we're doing. I hope to God we see some significant movement from minorities. And I really believe that we will. I mean, the, the only crazy thing would be, you know, if all of these minorities who've created walkaway stories don't vote or if they possible. do something stupid and change their mind or something. But I mean, if walk away is a, is a true indicator of what is going to happen uh, in 2020, then I think that we're going to see a significant dent and it's, it's going to be glorious. I think Trump's going to win, you know, but, but you know, don't get, don't get complacent. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's take some super chats, man. Let's see what the, the, the crowd has to ask before we do you, do you want to just quickly mention your social media, your event before sure. we read the questions? Yeah. I, I, I started to plug it several times and then I distracted myself. <laughs> so tomorrow, so I'm here in Philadelphia right now. Well, I'm, I'm, yes, you're tomorrow, basically in Philly. I'm basically in Philly. And tomorrow, um, we're throwing our, I believe fifth walk away rescue America rally. The purpose of these rallies is to show the radical left that they don't own our streets, our neighborhoods, our cities, or our country, that we do not give them permission to smash and vandalize and loot and steal and commit acts of violence and vandalism. That if they, if they think that this is a, a proper way to treat the country that we respect, uh, they're in for, they're in for it. So, um, we've been doing these rallies around the country. We call them rescue America. We're in Philly tomorrow. Um, it would be great if someone from my team shouted out the address right now, which I'm forgetting <laughs> what the location is. Independence, that's not what it's called. Please look it up. Uh, but it's a park, um, Independence something, Historic Park. Uh, it's right by the Liberty that's, Bell. That's, we'll just, be right by the Liberty Bell. There you go. What time? Here's a better idea. Go to walkawaycampaign.com, click rallies, because we'd like you to register anyway yeah. for the rally. And you can do that by going to walkawaycampaign.com slash rallies. And I would love it if people followed me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Brandon Strock. My last name is spelled S-T-R-A-K-A. And for the love of God, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's a joke. <laughs> it's like a joke. You got to do just, the work. You got to do the There's probably a million people watching this right now. Just for God's sake, please just go to my YouTube channel. Brandon Strock and just click subscribe. <laughs> Do it's, it. I'm embarrassed of it. It's, it's, the, it's the biggest scorn in my – it's horrible. So – and watch my videos too so I can get more than like 30 views. You got to make good videos. I know. I know. I make good movements apparently. But I did make a good video. That's what started the, the viral thing. That viral video. Yeah, yeah, and I've made more than one good video. But keep working at it and you'll get better and better. Well, thanks, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's read. Let's read. We got one uh, from, we got a bunch of super chats here. So uh, if you guys haven't already, if you want to get some questions in, we obviously can't get to everybody, but I'll try to read as many as I can. Kurt D says, big fan of you, Brandon. 
I remember when Facebook banned you a couple of weeks before your walkaway event in DC. Yeah. Did they give you your account back in time for the event? I never found out what happened with that. Seemed like blatant censorship to me. I quit FB and don't miss it. Yeah. So uh, I love that this guy asked this question because I meant to tell this story earlier when we were talking about censorship. So what happened was uh, two years ago in 2018, we threw the walkaway march on Washington at the end of October. And we were doing, a, you know, walkaway was only like four or five months old at this time. It was very, very new. So I desperately needed to keep plugging away at, you know, promoting the event and doing fundraising every day on a daily basis. And so one month before the event in September of 2018, um, I, and I'll, I'll just say too, I'm not, I don't discriminate against like who I'll do interviews with or anything like that. I'm not one of these conservatives that's like, oh, I'm afraid of, you know, I won't go on Infowars. I love Alex Jones. I love, uh, uh, Owen Schroyer. I, you know, I don't agree with everything that they say or whatever, but I'm, I'm not afraid to do their show. And so, um, they asked me to go on Infowars and do an inf uh, 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 interview to promote the March on Washington. Am I, am I going to get your channel canceled for saying that word? No. <laughs> okay. Well, because... Which one, March on Washington? Infowars. Oh, no. Because I... Um, so I was doing the interview and I went on my Facebook... I went on Walkway Campaign uh, Facebook group. Also, please join that Walkway Campaign Facebook group. Um, and I said, hey, Patriots, I'm going to be on Infowars today in like 15 minutes. Be sure to tune in. And they... They they banned my account wow. for for using the word Infowars. I mean, they actually said it. They they sent me a message and they said you engaged in activity that contradicts our rules and regulations, whatever. And then they had the little screenshot of the word Infowars. And now at the time, I was very you know I had probably I don't know forty fifty thousand Twitter followers, which was you know kind of significant, and people knew who I was because I was doing Fox News a lot. I don't think that I had really grasped at that time the, for lack of a better word, the power that comes with having that kind of platform. Yeah. And so I went on Twitter literally just to bitch about it, you know, and I was just like, I just got banned on Facebook. Well, it became a story. And so after it became a story within like 24 hours, Facebook had to walk Reverse it back it. and say it was an algor algorithmic mistake. That, yeah, right. that they didn't mean to cancel me. But yes, I got my account back very quickly, but it taught me, uh, I, I felt really bad for a lot of people who go through that who don't have a platform and can't get those things reversed. Exactly. And that's most of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got one from Sejong the Great. He says, Kimberly Klasik, black Republican, one of many dozens, mind you, who are running, won their primaries, ha uh, has just shy of 10 million views on Twitter alone. The times are a changing. If 25% yes. of the vote or slightly less goes to R, it's over. Spin that near Earth object. Do you yes. want to? You want to spin it? Oh yeah, yeah just yeah. it's a little blower. You just point it at a slight angle, and you know I'm not good at this. So. Just hold it down. There you go, and it's spinning. There you go. All right, let's read some more. Uh, let's let's see what we got. We'll get some. I feel like the, I really uh, did something there. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's see. James Degree says, "Build back better" is literally the Chinese knockoff of "Make America Great Again." Yeah, it's about right. No. <laughs> Stacy says, uh, Stacey Ellis says, just here to show support for you and your guest. Love from Canada. Appreciate it. Thanks, Canada. Duncan Massive says, off topic, Penny for your thoughts on Lauren Southern trying to be a fellow fence sitter for her new documentary. Love your work, Tim. I don't know about her new documentary. Um, I'll, I'll take a look, I suppose. Kevin Ortiz says, Brandon, now this politics has a video of Trump voters who are now Democrats. What are your thoughts on this and the walkaway vids at the DNC? Hi, Tim and Lydia. Spin the bad boy. I think you did mention this. I don't know if you have anything to elaborate on yeah. it. Um, I think it's it's just a you know a blatant rip off of what I'm doing. But I to me I take it as a sign. <laughs> to me I take it as a sign that 
uh, what I'm doing is effective and, and successful and to the point where they want to now pretend like the opposite is happening. But it's we have so many more videos and so much more diversity and so I mean this is this has been two and a half years and it's not easy to keep something going and in, in the public interest for that long. So um, I, I I just think it's a, it just it's a cheap ripoff. They don't want to admit it, but I, I I've I've talked about this. I have a friend that I met at a Black Lives Matter rally, who's been posting nothing but pro Trump stuff in the past year. I have friends from Chicago I've known my whole life who all of a sudden Democrat their whole life are now messaging me saying like they're going to vote Republican straight straight down the ticket. They don't want to admit it. I'll tweet this and they'll be like, Tim's lying. It's not true. And I'll be like, okay, whatever. If, if you think it's not happening, then by all means, you'll wake up on, a, you know, whatever election results come in. I have no idea at this point because of the mail-in voting. But you'll wake up one day and be like, I wonder why I lost. I have a friend who opened her business. It was a business for all women-only business. And at her women-only business, she would hold special events like a white fragility conference <laughs> that she threw at this. And she is now talking about voting for Trump. Yep. You know what it was for a lot of people I know is the riots. Oh, yeah. So I have friends in Chicago. And I was having conversations with people who are like, I, 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 you know, I support you know, Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. And then uh, roving bands went around smashing everything, shooting guns downtown. They raised the bridges. And the next day, Black Lives Matter said, we support them. What they did was reparation, so too bad. And now all of a sudden, they're like, voting for Trump? Yeah. Shh. Well, my but they can't. They can't tell anybody. My group, uh, Walkaway Campaign Group on Facebook, grew by 40% between George Floyd's death, end of May, and late July. We had... Uh, like hundreds of thousands that came on board. And, and the, the testimonies, they say it. They're like, enough. You know, the, the, the yeah. violence, the, the riots, all this stuff, this is crazy. And it's not just the violence and riots. It's that it's being uh, glorified and enabled by yeah, the media. That de Blasio himself went down to paint this message. Unbelievable. And, su and support it. And, and he did it, he did it uh, without a permit, yeah. with ta taking taxpayer money. I mean, it is beyond corruption. For those of us who see clearly what's going on, the the... The, oppress the, the oppression that I feel when I, you know, because I'm a New Yorker and I see when you paint Black Lives Matter down Fifth Avenue in giant letters and these are the same people that just destroyed Soho, yeah. like the week, I mean destroyed Soho, which is probably one of the biggest shopping meccas of, in, of all the United Used States. Used to be. Maybe the world. Um, it's, it, it makes you feel like you're living under authoritarian rule. You are. Yeah, like the, the the amount of laws are broken by these people every day is 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 shocking. Yeah, it's shocking. It's unbelievable. Voice of Reason says Tim Pool plus Brandon Walkaway Strock that deserves a super super chat. Appreciate it. <laughs> Strockaway. Strockaway. Vesuvia says Tim, can I recommend inviting RPG pundit for an IRL call in? He's been exposing the rampant woke uh, woke wokeness that has trampled Wizards of the Coast and uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast, Magic the Gathering, and D and D fame. He's on YouTube by searching for RPG Pundit. Could be awesome. I'll check it out. Breathing in Fumes says, any concern about the SF walkaway given the fires? You're doing a San Francisco walkaway? We are. Um, so a week from Sunday, uh, so about nine days, we'll be doing a Golden, Golden Gate Bridge walk in San Francisco. Um, I don't know if you saw, Tim, we had this incredibly successful march in Beverly Hills. 
Did you see that about a week or two ago? I did. And yeah. and you know that across the country there were Blue Lives Matter marches as well. Really? Yeah. Wow. On a similar weekend. That was crazy to me. Yeah. I, I saw your event. Yeah. It looked huge. It was. So I did a Google search and I was like, what Oh, that's it? right. You did a video about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's There's right. tons of stuff all over the country. That's right. That's right. And by the way, thank you for that. Um, it's that, news. Yeah, well, I think it's important. Well, not to many people uh, on the left. <laughs> uh, you know, a thousand people in Beverly Hills marching against the Democratic Party. That happens all the time. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I appreciated you for covering it and kind of covering it accurately uh, because, you know, that's something that frustrates me even about the, the media on the right is that, you know, here we did this incredible event in Beverly Hills, California, totally unusual, right? We marched through West Hollywood, which is super gay neighborhood into Beverly Hills, and it's people, it's walk away. It's walk away from the radical left, right? All the headlines were pro-Trump rally in Beverly right. Hills, pro-Trump rally, and I was like, Ugh! you know, like, I love Trump, and I'm sure the vast majority of people in walkway have come to love Trump, but with that sense, we don't endorse candidates. We right. don't, you know, we're not pro Republican. We're not pro Trump. We're not pro just anti-Democrat. Anti That's what we are. <laughs> That's what we are. Right on. Yeah. So J Max says, I voted against prop eight in California back in the day, and I've been pretty socially liberal, much to my conservative parents' disappointment. It's crazy to me that I get lumped in with, with the right now for fairly libertarian positions. Glad people are speaking up. Appreciate it. Sydney Jr. Cooley says, Brandon, good to see you. I'm still perma suspended on Twitter. Good to see all of y'all on here. Cool. Dr. Roller Gator says, hey, Lydia Gator, things you're, uh, uh, things, you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. Thanks. There you go. Tanner Gordon says, just landed an amazing 50K IT job with great benefits. No college degree, just certs. Listen to Tim. Do not bother with college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think about college? Me? Yeah. Uh, I didn't go to it. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> That's what I thought of it. Yeah, um, I I left school. You know, right. I, I left home right after high school, and you know, my dream was to move to New York City and be an actor and be a singer. So I ended up going to New York, and uh, then I became a conservative, and then I started the walkway campaign. Didn't go to college. So kids at home, do not go to college. Start your own political movement. <laughs> Here we go. Here's an interesting one. Ben Bond says. JetBlue kicked a family of six off a flight because their two-year-old was pulling off mask. Airlines must want children tied down or something messed up. Well, that sounds weird because they say that you don't have to wear it if you're under two. Yeah. Weird. That is weird. It's just inconsistent, man. Yeah. Magical Trevor says, Brandon, you're a hero. Tim, you got to put on the beanie buddy. The beanie buddy. What is it? The MAGA beanie? Super free education says, so Brandon doesn't believe that respiratory illnesses are spread through saliva and other fluids ejected from the nose and mouth. Also smash that like button. I don't think that's what you said, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what he heard. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, I actually do think that that happens. I, I'm, I don't think anybody's disputing how illnesses spread. Uh, I think we're disputing things like the effectiveness of wearing uh, a thin piece of cloth on your face that many uh, doctors agree doesn't, you know, the virus can travel through. Uh, I also, but the, the biggest uh, argument that I make is that it's just not a very dangerous virus for the vast majority of people. Obviously, for the people who died, tragically, it was a very serious virus. But that is a very, very, very tiny percentage of the population. And the vast majority of people who get it are going to be just fine. I disagree a little bit. I, th I think the, the general goal for the mask is just so you don't spit. You know what I mean? So I hear what you're saying for sure. Yeah. I, I ultimately so you don't spit. Yeah, like when you're talking, your spit flies out. Don't say the word droplets. If I have to hear the word <laughs> droplets is you the know. new moist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, uh, so gross. Oddball Gaming. He says, hey, Brandon, I'm so glad I found you in 2018. 
I was a pro 2A bisexual liberal when election results came in. I didn't scream like you all. It's good I found you, and now I'm a libertarian voting for Trump 100%. Awesome. There you go. Very good. Mark Held says, I love the show. Thank you, Mr. Strzok. Noticed that if I join the live stream after it starts, there is a gap on the audio and video. Mm, weird. I don't know. No That's idea. Loft, Tim, Loft TM says, hey, Brandon, Tim, Lydia, I produced the original WWG. What is that? Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, WWG one with JT Wild. Much love for all your hard work. Tim would love to see you produce some of your original songs if I get in, can get in touch. I am actually uh, working on producing some original music. So, Are it you is, really? Yeah, it is coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah. did you play guitar? Yeah, yeah, I got my guitar right here. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I can I can let you hear a rough demo of a of a song. I'd love that. Once we once we wrap I really up. I want to get this jerky open. Oh, it's the which 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 one is it? <laughs> I don't know, but it won't it won't open. Is it the unicorn? Yeah, pass the scissors, please. Oh, oh. it is um mm, unicorn. Unicorn jerky. Ooh, awesome. Unicorn. Amanda uh Bielmere says make it official Tim walk away you know you belong with us on yeah, the right Tim what's the resolution we can't end this show I'm not leaving until you walk away <laughs> I'm not I, I am who I am that's just that's that's it look look I already said you know uh, if the election were held today I'd most likely be voting for Trump I think it's like a 95% chance Wait, so you haven't even made up your mind about that I think that's a pretty strong make up my, making up my mind not uh, Three or four percent, whatever you said already for well, the, the number. But. Well, I, I would say literally right now, if I was a ballot put in front of me, I'd be like, yeah, Trump. But we've got we've got a couple months. What's the alternative? What are you going to write in Jill Stein? No, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think as of if it, as of right now, I, I just say that because who knows what's going to happen. I don't want to I don't want to put out a statement where I'm like, yeah, gung ho, 100 percent. And then something crazy happens. And you know what I mean? I just said that to make Lydia laugh. And it worked. <laughs> that's pretty good. I appreciate that. <laughs> Look, I, I already said earlier this year, uh, that's it for me. I'm not donating to Democrats ever again. I donated to a bunch of them because I was thinking, like, like I mentioned earlier, you get some of these, these better Democrats in and they'll try and stop the, the party's drift, but instead they just joined in. You know, So that was a big oh. mistake. So then I made a couple donations to some Republicans because they were fighting back directly against this. You know, I, I, I thought, look, you've got, you've got walk away, you've got conservatives pushing back on the left, but there's got to be people on the left willing to support Democrats who are going to say no and provide more reasonable answers. And then what happened? Big mistake. Because they all just ju- jump on board as soon as they can. You know, to Tulsi's defense, she just got cut out. Like, it just became ineffective, True. you know? Yeah. So they, they, she, she actually has, I think, one delegate, and they won't even invite her to the DNC. But, you know, Kamala's going to have... Uh, or Kamala. Kamala. <laughs> Kamala is going to have a very hard time overcoming what Tulsi did to her. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's... I'm so glad that I, you know... Oh, I and the black and, people hate her. I mean, that's going to be tough, too. A lot of... She's very unlikable. She's very, very unlikable. She's unlikable. Let's even see. Even with her new face. <laughs> <laughs> now you're getting spicy. Dr. Rick says, both of you guys are rock stars in my book. Your courage to uphold free speech and what you believe in is tr- uh, believe in... Uh, believe is true is encouraging me to do the same when it clearly quite dangerous in my medical academic setting. Yeah. Yeah, it's dangerous. Here we go. Nicole uh, Serino says, I am a walk away story. Thanks to Brandon, Tim, Adam and Anomaly. Latina, 17 years in the military. I'm 47 years old and never voted until now. I've always felt like a center left until now. Make it official November 3rd. That's amazing. What's her name? What's her name? Uh, Nicole Serino. Nicole, way to go. I'm so proud of you. That's amazing. Great. Yeah, I think the most important thing, and I think what you hit the nail, you, you hit the nail on the head with the hammer with walk away, because you created something that people could could sort of form around. So when, when you feel like you're alone, 
and you feel like what you're thinking is dangerous, you can look and there's the like the, the pole in the ground with the flag, walk away and there's people around it. You can see you're not. 100 percent. Um, I'll make this very quick because I know you're you're um, one of the main reasons why I created the group in the first place is because when I had my sort of transitional experience in 2017, I thought I was losing my mind uh, because I literally basically changed my belief about just about everything that I ever believed. Or I was reversing my position, I'll say. And so I started like Googling, like, am I going crazy? You know, <laughs> because there is yeah. actually a lot of mental illness on one side of my family. And I was <laughs> like, uh, is it happening to me? And I couldn't find other people who had had this experience. I had to search a long time right. before I found a few other people who had had, you know, they, we were calling it red pilling back then. And I hope we could, it's a great term. I hope we keep doing it. But oh, um, yeah, for sure. But uh, I, I, I thought to myself, once I started to meet a couple of people, I thought, what a shame it is that there's not like a support group or like a network where you can find other people because it turns your world upside down. Oh, definitely. You lose your friends, you lose your mind, you lose your job. You, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. And now people know that if they are feeling that way, at the very least, they can be friends with you. That's right. And you know, you have these rallies. I think that's, that's a really big issue when I hear from friends. Like I, I was straight up told within the past couple of weeks, someone said that the violence is starting. They're, they're not, they don't support the violence. It's starting to freak them out. And they think the Republicans are the only ones who are going to stop it. Right. They just can't let anyone know they think that. Right. And I'm like, well, you, you, you can't. <laughs> what kind you, of world is that? It, I, I can't let everyone know that I don't love the violence. It's Seriously, though. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like people are scared to say anything about it. Right. That's oppression. That's, that's, that's horrifying. That's why I think a lot of these polls are wrong. I think Trump is likely to win. God, I do. I, I hope it's huge. It, I want it to but, be massive. But my, 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 my confidence really does come from the CNN poll, which finds Trump within one point of Biden in 15 battleground states okay. with a margin of error of 4%. Okay. That and that's means, from CNN. That's from CNN. Yeah. Yeah. Trump's on top. He definitely is. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Where are we at? Jay Smith says, hey, Tim, just wanted to say thanks. Your inspirational video about a call to action for what is right and speak the truth to others was the kick I needed. I'm voting red this year after not the last two. Interesting. NSX says, Australia walks with Strzok and Poole, Trump 2020. Walk with Strzok. There you go. Somebody's got a new movement. I wow. Like that. Love that. My, right. my team never comes up with anything that clever. <laughs> so, Oh, here's an interesting one. Let's get his number. He's hired. Oscar Pareto says, I am a DACA recipient, and I believe we are being used as political pawns. They have brainwashed our Mexican-American immigrant homes to fear Republicans and, and to always vote blue. Yeah, I think you were talking about something similar to that. Right. Yeah, just, you know, being used and manipulated. Totally. And I think we did read those. We're not going to be able to get to every single Super Chat, but I'll read a couple more. Tequila Dominguez says, hey, Tim, just wanted to say thanks for helping Red Pill me. Been watching you for over a year now, and I really got into your content after the adpocalypse with Steven Crowder and Vox. Appreciate it. Your favorite sociologist says, have Brendan hit me up almost a decade as a Marxist professor. Plus 20 year activist marched with my hand on Jesse Jackson's shoulder in 2000. Now a Trump voter. This has gone much too far. Yeah. Uh, how would he hit you up? I don't know. Your favorite sociologist on YouTube, I suppose. Kelly Graham says, Brandon and Tim just want uh, you both to know I really appreciate all you do to expose the lies, etc. of the left. P.S. Brandon, I live up in Washington, not too far from Diane. Hey, there you go. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Flow, uh, Flowification says, I think it's time to implement some Starship Troopers doctrine. Service guarantees citizenship, not necessarily military. We need people in office who have actually sacrificed for and served the nation. Are you, are you familiar with Starship Troopers? Mm -mm. You had to, uh, it was a, in order to vote, you had to serve for two years, whether it's like, not necessarily military, 
But the idea of the story was only people who were running for office and voting actually worked and then served right. know, the, the government and the public. Right. Everyone else had equal rights, just not voting rights. Right. Yeah. Well, I think to be able to vote here, you should have to pay taxes a couple of times. <laughs> Maybe that'll change your mind. You know, I've had a lot of uh, thoughts about how we changed from only landowners voted, you know, and now to anybody can vote. It's interesting because one of the things people bring up is that the reason for having votes based on land ownership was to prevent people from coming in voting and then leaving. Mm. You'd, you'd come in and be like, I live here. I'm going to vote that we should let, you know, pirates come and take everything. And then you leave. So you had to be someone who lived there, had land in the community. Right. There's a lot of, you know, it's, it's not so simple to just say it was a bunch of rich people who didn't want to keep everybody out. There, there were reasons for it. But I also think that a lot of the problems we face are stemming from population density, overcrowding in cities, and people need to move out, become pioneers, go explore, you know, build their own and things like that. You know, this year's the centennial of women being allowed to vote. That's right. And uh, this, you, 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 see, you, you see Trump uh, pardon Susan B. Anthony? No. Trump pardoned Susan B. Anthony posthumously as a symbolic move, and the Democrats attacked him for it. And several news outlets actually argued, but actually Susan B. Anthony was a racist. No joke. Yeah. Trump somehow got them to disparage Susan B. Anthony on the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage. Wow. That, 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 like, that's why I always say, like, give me the opportunity to give you know, respect to a Democrat for something good they're doing, and I will take it as soon as I can. You know, the, one of the things that always comes to mind is AOC and, and Elizabeth Warren calling out big tech surveillance and their monopolistic power. Although I don't agree with their solutions, I appreciate them calling out the problem. Because they play a game where no matter what Trump does, it's always wrong. And that can't be true for them, and it can't be true for anybody. But with that being said, we've gone a little bit over. I think we're about to wrap up. So make sure you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor at TimCast. And make sure you check out my main channel over at YouTube.com slash TimCast. It is a different channel. And you can help me break 1 million subs because I'm actually at like 980-something thousand. Hopefully, I'll get a million before they ban me. So again, check it out, YouTube.com slash TimCast. And uh, you want to give just another shout-out to all your stuff, your... That would be amazing. Yeah. There's actually one thing I didn't tell everybody before. I'd like to tell them now. So obviously we know this has been a really weird year. Everybody had to cancel a lot of stuff, uh, cancel events. But uh, the two biggest events that Walkaway is doing this entire year, we've put together now for one big weekend, which is going to happen the weekend of October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in Washington, D.C. And so what these events are is um, on October 2nd, we're doing something. I told you we've done LGBT, black, Hispanic town halls. We're doing our very first, what we're calling the Walkaway American Women's Town Hall, which is going to be an event for uh it's gonna be actually really fun we're calling it a town hall kind of tongue-in-cheek but it's gonna be uh, at an outdoor venue called the sylvan theater in dc by the washington monument the event is going to feature lara trump judge janine pirro diamond and silk katie hopkins shamika michelle we have this incredible lineup wow. yeah and then the next day on october 3rd is going to be the unsilent majority march on washington and so we just want to get thousands of people from around the country basically in a huge demonstration in dc on october 3rd to show once again uh that the silent majority is going to become unsilent we're not going to allow the radical left to take over our country so you can be a part of this whole bit we're calling it the ultimate american weekend Go to walkawaycampaign.com, click on Ultimate American Weekend. We are charging admission to the women's event, but I mean, we have tickets as low as 20 bucks up to like 75. And uh, obviously the March on Washington is free to attend, but please come go to walkawaycampaign.com, click on Ultimate American Weekend. We want to see everybody there. It's really important for us to show up in masses. Uh, a huge, like I said, we see the power of demonstration from the radical left. So let's do it ourselves and take our country back. Right on. You want to uh, mention your socials real quick? No, nah, who cares? Right. No, I'm just kidding. All right. uh, yeah. Hey, no, 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 no I'm joking. Late. No, no. Uh, please follow me on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram 
at Brandon Strock, S-T-R-A-K-A. There's a peculiar little A at the end that serves. Isn't it easier just to call yourself Straka? Yes, and I wish I had. <laughs> I really wish I had. If I had, if I could go back, I would just tell people my name is Brandon Straka. It'd be so much because I don't even care when people say it wrong. Um, but it's harder for people to find me. Uh, and I'll use it. That's the excuse. And the reason why you guys haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel is because you didn't know that you're supposed to add an A to the end of my last name. So go to Brandon Straka. <laughs> that's it. On YouTube. And please subscribe so I can stop being ashamed of my YouTube channel. Right on, man. And uh, of course, there's at Sour Patch Lids Correct. on Twitter and Parlor. Although I think we pretty much just shoved you out of the conversation. That's for the fine. That's a great engaged conversation. She did have a question for me earlier. Yeah. Well, to me, it seemed a little bit like you're just asking Tim to change his, his name. You know? No, I'm asking him to change his gender. You've missed the whole point of this okay. conversation. All right, it's well, like you haven't been listening I at know. all. <laughs> it's just as well I didn't ask my question then. <laughs> you see that hat, that beanie right there? Uh, the, right, there right, right there up against the uh, on, on the on the Kikaman, the black beanie. I, what is a Kikaman? <laughs> it's the soy. There's a soy sauce skateboard, and there's oh, a beanie, there's a beanie on top. Yes, yes, I see it. Make America okay, I guess. <laughs> so, somebody somebody sent us two beanies. One says "Make America Just Okay," and it's purple. <laughs> and then that one is black. And it says "Make America Okay," I guess. I like that. They're funny, funny. Anyway, um, it's okay. I guess it's okay. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for coming in. It's been it's, thanks it's, for it's, having me. Yeah, it's been great. That was yeah. a, that was a, that was a fun conversation. Yeah. So, uh, everybody who hung out, really uh, really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the like button. Hit the notification bell. We'll be back Monday at eight p.m. live, and we do the show Monday through Friday live at eight p.m. And uh, we'll see you all Monday. Again, thanks for hanging out. Bye, Bye everybody.